With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Okay, we ready? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Okay, um, it was December 18th in 2000. I was on a Frontier Airlines uh, flight from SeaTac to Dallas-Fort Worth, changing planes in Denver. Uh, I was on a smaller plane than usual. There was no first class, so I sat about two or three rows behind the cockpit. And just after we were served breakfast, we had a strong air pocket, and I made a joke. I said, hope we don't have a hijacker, which was an old joke by then because it had been already 12 years since there was any hijacking. And at that time, the only hijackers had, um, back in the 70s and 80s, had um, hijacked planes to go somewhere else, you know, like Cuba or something, and people weren't being harmed. But after the trays were cleared, a man moved from across the, uh, behind somewhere and across the aisle and asked if we could talk for a while. Uh, I agreed, although my plan had been to sleep the entire first leg of the trip because it, it, it's a very long trip that I used to make to my parents' place. He introduced himself and said his name was Brian Sullivan. He explained that he and the others traveling with him had just finished the, um, a temporary work with the FAA. And uh, they had given their report, and now they were on their way to Washington to further it, if they could. They were going to present it to anybody who was interested. Um, he asked about my comment on hijackers, and I began explaining that it was just a joke, and he said he understood, but he just wanted to talk about that subject. So, he, And this is what I remember. He held his hands. If you've ever watched anybody trying to frame their, their uh, subject, he held his hands, two palms out, about a foot from each other, and he said, suppose, just suppose. And that stuck with me. <laughs> His mannerism of doing that stuck with me. So that's important for later. Um, my first reaction was, after he asked me, what he said was, just suppose someone hijacked a plane and flew it into a building. So not having uh, thought of anything except the joke I was talking about, my first reaction was that the hijacker would also die. So I had trouble getting my mind around these questions. Uh, he shook his head in agreement and just waited for me to think about it for a minute. Um, first of all, I thought the person would be committing suicide. And so the word suicide came to my mind. And then that other, that other <laughs> word that if we mention it on here, the NSA records it and keeps doing it. Okay. So I knew that in the Middle East there was suicide, you know what. So they came to mind. And I said, oh. They don't care. They think they're going to heaven. And he shook his head, yes. Mm -hmm. And he left behind us about that time, too, since I had mentioned that. Um, then I asked the question, what building are you thinking about? And he said, well, what do you think? So he set me thinking. And the first one I thought of was the Pentagon. And then I thought, well, maybe the Capitol. 
and the White House. Those were the three that he, he agreed that he and his friends would talk about those two. And then he made it clear that his guests were different from his associates. And he said he thought it would be the World Trade Center. Again, I had to think until it hit me why it would not be a military or a governmental building. And then it hit me strong. Oh, the World Trade Center is a symbol of America's power in the world. Much of the world resents that power. And it's right behind Tom Brokaw's head every night on the nightly news. He then, and he agreed, that was his understanding of it. And then he told me, because he had done this background research, he told me how many people worked at the World Trade Center, how many extra people might be there on any given day. And he explained that it was built. Well, he said, do you know how it's built? And I said, no. So he explained that it was built almost completely of concrete that was reinforced by steel. And this is something he told me that jet fuel burns at a higher temperature than the melting point of steel. And at that point, he had to help me. I was trying to, I'm not a technical person. He said one floor, if one floor collapsed, another one could go too. While I was trying to do that, he hit me with the final thing. He said, the whole building could go. I looked at him again, and he said, the whole building could go. Um, let's see. I wanted to know what the FAA was going to do about it. And he said that's why they were going to Washington, because the FAA was not moving on their warning. And that was the reason they were going. They were hoping to talk to he said, we're hoping to talk to you. There is a senator there. He never mentioned the name of the senator, so I can't know for sure. But at that point, it was John Kerry had was in the news a lot because he had been appointed or elected or however they get there as chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee, and he was touted as being someone who was going to really do something about it because there had been some intelligence leaks, you know, during that time. Um, let's see. He did not explain why the FAA would not uh, act, but he did ask. He said, "If I would, would I still fly if there were extra safety measures and they were set up?" And I was well, sure, you know, if something like that would happen. I told him I didn't really like to fly anyway, but when I did, you know, I would do that. I'm sure that was disappointing to him. But when we landed in Denver, and he was leaving the plane uh, first, and we just nodded to each other, affirming that you know what they were doing was was good. And that's the last I saw of him that time. Fast forward nine months, the buildings were attacked on September 11th. The night after the attack, I was trying to record everything, all the news that was coming on. ABC Dateline, and the reporter's name was Kerry something. I can't think of his last name right now. But he led with this. The attacks might not have happened if someone had listened to this man. And there he was, Brian Sullivan. He did exactly the same mannerism, and he said, suppose, just suppose. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's him. So um, it was the scenario. He told the whole scenario that he had presented to me, but there was one thing that was very different. And he said this, and I, don't, I still don't know why that would happen. He said he never even, and he used the word fathomed. He said, I never fathomed that the target might be the World Trade Center. And I thought, ooh, he's either afraid to say that he, you know, or that he might be accused of, of um, being one of the terrorists or something. 
I don't know why he said that. I still don't. So a few days later, I contacted the network and talked to the reporter and just told him what I could remember. Um, he asked me to contact him if anything else came uh, to memory about the conversation. I went looking. After that, I went looking for the plane ticket. I sent him the plane ticket, but I never heard from him. And at, if you'll remember at that time, it was when the, um, the, new, the networks all there on the East Coast there were getting poison letters. So I don't know what happened to that letter, whether it, you got it or not. Um, let's see. One probably big mistake I made after that, I thought, why am I calling the news? Maybe I should call one of our agencies. <laughs> so I called the local FBI office to tell them the same story. And it was about a year and a half after that that I started becoming a target. Uh, about three years ago, this is the third part of this thing, I called ABC because, I, like I said, I had taped many, many uh, segments of news during the 9-11 crisis part, you know. But on that one, I taped over it. I remember I taped it and then taped over it. And so I called ABC to purchase a copy of the Dateline interview. And the person I talked to said, yes, we keep every single one of those things. She said, let me just check on it and see how much it would be. And she looked and she looked and she looked and she couldn't find it. She said, well, it goes back to, so apparently that one was missing. And I asked her, I said, she said, well, it, uh, and she was, she was very unclear as to exactly where it might be or why it was missing, because that's one of their policies to keep every one of them. And I said, does someone have it? And she said, yes, you know, she indicated yes. So um, that's the last of my story. That's the last I know. I would like very much to know if Mr. Sullivan's okay, because he did know. He uh, envisioned what could happen, and um, that's all I know. I just, so I got targeted not long after that, so it could be. There's also a local reason with me as to why uh, I might be targeted, but that is a possibility. I just think it's important that people know that. I know there were other uh, reports that people had heard uh, that this was going to happen, you know, before it happened, but um, this is the way that happened to me. Thank you, Karen. Oh, you're welcome. Do you want to share with us what the local stuff was? Because we've all had local stuff. Yeah, okay. Uh, in 93, I moved in next door to a single father and his son. He was, he was really an adolescent at the time. But there were some weird things going on. I knew that someone was outside the window at times, um, and I had to make sure the curtains were definitely closed very well, you know. And one of the neighbors told me he wanted to be a stalker that that was his ambition. I knew that he had grown up without anybody around much. The mother was not in the home, and the father uh, worked all the time. So he was kind of black kid, you know, we say when kids come home and they are on their own for a while. And so she said he spent most of his toddler, <laughs> a lot of years, uh, just kind of roaming the neighborhood. So I guess that's part of, you know, what an adventurous kid gets into. Well, it got more serious um, and after 2000, 2001, it got very serious. I could tell that there was something technically different. There was some kind of technology used on me. So it wasn't long. I moved out of that house. Um, oh, it was, let's see, 2002, I think it was when I moved out. But he had connections. And before that, my a friend had told me that he had bragged to him and said he could put me on the list. By this time, the kid was 
all about seventeen, something like that. And uh, I took him to court because after everything had happened, he just got worse and worse. And I thought I wouldn't do anything about it. Our pretendity didn't understand or know. So I took him to court. Um, deputies protected him. There, it was um, the court actually had been hoodwinked. <laughs> so it's a it's a small county, you know, and it's a county thing. His father was a volunteer fireman, and uh, I know that the deputy that protected him was one who used to come out and take him uh, fishing a lot. So he wanted to be a stalker. Apparently, he wanted to be a serious stalker, and I don't know, you know, exactly how that those kind of ties work. But he said, I have, uh, I believe it was his cousin or his uncle or something who worked in the West End. That's where Bremerton is and the U.S. Navy is. So... Um, after all this happened, this is when I start. After the the court case was thrown out, the, um, the there was no way I could prove what he was doing. I did everything I could, but um, after that, he um, I moved away, and the targeting, this kind of targeting, started after that. So that's as much as I know about that one. <laughs> I wonder if one kind of targeting wasn't just a precursor to the next, because mine started off with a lot of outdoor, <clears throat> out behind the fence type stalking for six months, and then the other stuff started. Okay. Uh, the kind of things he did as a kid was every time I would walk out to the garden, he would run a, a stick along the fence with me. Then he'd run it back, you know, that sort of thing. He did that. He would shoot um, a slingshot. You know, thing happened as I was headed for church. He slit my tire um, after his dog died. Those kind of things are a kid type thing. When it started, primarily the first, I believe, most important thing is you go in your head and knock around in your head some way. Something that um, uh, I don't, I don't really know what it was. I, I, I got on the internet and, and FSCHS wasn't around, uh, and there was a website. And he talked about, it said, Ultrasonic America's Secret Police. And this guy had been parties. He was on the East Coast. And he explained a lot of what was going on with me, which he determined was ultrasonic, which I believe it was. So I tried a lot of his remedies that didn't work, but he did describe it quite a bit. Um, but a very shrill, loud, shrill um Noise that goes that permeates your head, and there's no way to um, there's no way to put earplugs or anything in to get it away from you. Um, I tried everything, and this is I'm an old lady, so I remember, I used to I used to uh, when I was subject teaching, you know, I I would pin curl my hair and I'd use bobby pins. Well, that was the worst thing I could have done with all that metal all over my head, and it, it made it worse. When I stopped that, it did help. Uh, but then I stayed with my mother in Texas. After my father died, it wasn't long after that, and the same kind of stuff was going on. I do know that it was something that had to be plugged in, because in Texas you have a lot of power outages, especially in the spring. So that first spring, I would, um, I remember one night all the power went out, and this, there is a very that loud shrill noise was going through my head. It would go through my head every night, all night long, and at that point, as soon as the power went out. I heard something go, you know, and just clock, just like it does when, you know, something, uh, I guess a, a noise is going down and stopping. 
So it was something that um, this was a neighbor's thing. So I believe it's both. I do. Uh, nowadays, I believe I'm being targeted by something that is not just a local thing. I do believe that it's got to be satellite or something, you know, drones or whatever. But um, it, it did as well. That was the first of it with the ultrasonic. I did, oh, 2003, I was sitting in my dad's bank. It was after he died, and I sat in his bank, and um, Forbes magazine in April of that year came out with an article that was talking about, it talked about non-lethal weapons that um, what they were working on was ultrasonic um, uh, weapons that could run Osama bin Laden out of the cave. And I thought, that's what it is. On, on a lower end, that's what they were doing with me. So, and that's another reason I believe we're, we're extended, experimented on. Yeah. Well, me, I wanted to say one thing about the, the uh, tinnitus, the high-pitched squealing tinnitus. One of the techie guys on the tech call mentioned one night that you can get the combination brown noise, pink noise, and white noise. It's a 45-minute long video. You can look for it on YouTube and just try it and see if it helps. It's the only thing I found that really cancels it out. Oh, okay, good. I don't get that they changed it on me because I know that it's microwave. It's, you know, I believe they use <laughs> lasers and, and, and what's the other one, the um, infrared stuff. It's just all kinds of different things. But God only knows what it is, you know. I mean, there's probably a bunch of different modalities to do all this crap with. So, you know, we don't really know. You can just try different things for blocking, but... Nothing really blocks the high pitch noise except that um, that audio. And you can try them separately. You can try the brown noise separately, try the pink noise separately, try the white noise separately, and see if you have a preference. I liked the white noise, I think. It's good to know. Yeah. It's not pleasant. It's sort of a static sound, but that's mm-hmm. the only thing we really found to help this. And staying away from any kind of stimulant like coffee or tea, that also seems to make it worse. Okay. Is the white noise just like when you're on the wrong station on the radio? Is that yeah. the same thing? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Static. Yeah. Only it's real high pitched. Kind of a squeal. Okay. And it's not really a squeal, but it is. You know, it's one of those things. Right. Probably excited neurons from being bombarded with some frequency or wave of some sort. <clears throat> And our, it's just the noise our brain makes when it's being bothered. Anyway, thank you for sharing that. That's really interesting. Um, so the local thing started with that kid then that was harassing you nonstop. How long did that go on before you moved? Well, he, he did his little boy thing for about eight years, and I kept calling his father. And I had this beautiful little little old 100-year-old house that had been worked on, you know, and I, I really thought I wanted to stay there forever. But when the um, when the technology started, and I don't know what it was then uh, with him, um, I, you know, I thought something's different about this kid now. So, and it was after I had taken him to court and couldn't do anything about it. So that's when I decided to move. And it wasn't long after that before my dad died. So I moved out of the state and back to Texas, but the technology was still there. So 
It was something, whatever it was at that time, was it was about the size of a boom box, and somebody could move it into a, um, you know, just move it in, like a boom box, plug it in, and then point it toward you. I'm I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, I know, and now it's coming and beamed in through the ceiling, Scotty. Mm-hmm. You know, God only knows. Really, we've got uh, we've got so many different things going on, and neighbors complicit. Anyway, and corrupt local police and sheriff's departments. We're looking at that too. Every one of us talks about that to some degree or another. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, Marilyn's on hand. Say hi to Anita. Is that you, Anita? Oh, hi, Karen. Hi, how are you? Welcome. Hi, this is Anita from Baltimore. Hi, Anita from Baltimore. Hi. <laughs> Hello, how are you feeling? Pretty good, how are you? Good, today's a good day. Today's a good day, Karen. Pain level's not as high, you know? So. I figure as long as you're breathing, it's a good day. I, it's yeah. a wonderful day if you're breathing. <laughs> It really life, is. Life is precious. Life is a gift. It sure yeah. is. Oh, you have to remind yourself of that a few dozen mm-hmm. times a day. But you it's sure good. do. And over and over again, life is precious. Life is a gift. Oh, and I want to thank you. That was such a wonderful call on um, Tuesday. It really was. Thank you. We had to, it was so, you know, it started with a little shaky in the beginning. You know what I mean? And uh, it was just ended up a nice call. It was, it was later, you know. We ended up, and I stayed up late, and but I still felt good, you know. I had to get up the next day, and I, you know, and um, Amy and Sue was on. We're talking about self compassion, and I thought that was just so wonderful because a lot of us don't think that way, you know. And for myself, anyway, and I just thought that she that would she share that that was so beautiful. Oh, yeah, she talks about being compassionate towards yourself or forgiving yes. yourself. Yeah, yeah, I remember that now. That was really beautiful. It's true, too, in the big cosmos of things, it's important to forgive. Of course, yeah. Importantly, yourself, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, that's right. And um, we were also talking about mindfulness, you know, the gratitude or the walking mindfulness, like one step in front of the other, appreciating everything you see. Mm-hmm. You know, here's here's uh, a nice tuft of grass. It looks pretty. And here's a flower, and these stones are interesting. And I'm still walking, you know, and just being aware. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you. I, after that call, I felt a change of energy. It was like it didn't matter what came my way, the stalking, the mobbing. It didn't matter because it's, it's something in me centered. I don't know if any ever want, I mean, even maybe it's just, um, it, I'm not saying it's not going to change the targeting, of course, or what the other people do. But I felt myself that I, like I, I mean, I hadn't been there in a long, really centered. And, maybe um, you got a touch of perspective. Okay. That helps me feel centered when I gain perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, also, we had a good, you know, every once in a while we get a good group that's, like, really in resonance with each other. Mm -hmm. And the conversation flows. And I feel that there's a lot of healing in that, you know, when we feel resonance, you know, and... um, 
we're on the same wavelength, we're on the same intention. You know, Don from Oregon helps with that too. He was on there, but he was a little bit quieter uh, that night. And mm-hmm. they took- Oh, mm-hmm. But we really don't need to be fighting with one another, woman. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that's what was so healing about it was we're all resonating with each other and mm-hmm. reflecting, and you know, it was a good flow. And I think part of that we have to understand that. To me, what I'm learning is that everybody here serves a purpose, and I have no. I who am I to doubt someone's purpose? Who am I to um? How someone deals with this. Some people may deal with this in an intellectual way. They have yes. information. They want to share information. Some people deal with it with an anger or a passion. But I, who am I to knock the way someone deals with their pain or deal with being in this situation, you know? And um, I yeah, think we, I, I agree. But we don't need to be, if somebody say, Say they have a lot of energy, you know, building up to anger and rage. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, they have, they have to, you know, it's like, well, we can't judge them because we know that the energies are forcing them to that level. Mm-hmm. But they don't need to be taking it out on other people who are victimized. That's right. And that's and that's where someone drops, um that's when you cross the boundary, though. That's when you cross the boundary. But mm-hmm. I, you know... I guess my point is, Sue, is that you don't have a right because if someone chooses to come on the call, that you can't be judgmental because I heard that. Well, mm-hmm. you, people, you, well, my activism may not be the way you may choose to do activism. Right. Every, how you define activism may not be, that works for you, but that may not work for everyone. That's right. I agree. You know, um, yeah. everyone fights the battles in different ways, you know. That's- you may choose to do any. I, for me, I'm also from the information that I'm getting. We have to be very, very careful, uh, ladies, because we may be feeding more into the program than we think we are, based on, um, you know, once you read, maybe they're using some of us, and I'm saying, you know, including myself, to put it out there. That maybe they want us to test the waters and see. Well, well, what would how's the um, the larger uh, community gonna feel when they start hearing about this? You know, we don't know the purpose right. of, of of why they um, chose us, who yeah. they chose. You know, we don't know. I mean, these. You know, that's right. We so that's right. especially the vocal ones who mm. are you know, the highly suggestible vocal ones, and I'm not saying names. But uh, they might, you, you're you absolutely right that there could be a, another layer of psyops involved mm. where they're using them to feed us with certain kinds of information. Mm. We don't know. I mean, if, the, if, the, if, if, if this rabbit hole is deep as we think it is, yeah. we don't know how um, other targeted individuals are being used to re-traumatize us. You know, on a daily basis, you know, when people come on. It's just an observation, and I could be totally wrong, you know. It's just an observation. and um, I think you're absolutely right about that, and I've thought that many times myself. I just haven't really articulated it in that way. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and um, and I thought about that on when I, that was my first time hearing. Like I said, I've heard um, Tyrone speak on. Um, I watched the videos in the beginning of my targeting, but that was the first time that I heard him speak, and I just heard so much. You know, and, I, and we all are hurting, and we're all. I mean, we all. If anybody in the plan can identify. We on this call understand each other's pain, and we, but it's the way, and I think Lonnie said that, I'm not going to, violence is not going to, the answer to anything for us, that, no, we know we can't win that battle, going on that level, going on that frequency, we know that battle, that's where they want us, because they can win on that level, mm-hmm. they want us to go there, because they know we get there, we're gone. Oh. Yeah, you know. that's right. I'm not I wouldn't call it a true win, but they might interpret it as a win. Yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah. Um, win. In their minds, they may see it In their minds, exactly. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You well, know. you know, I, I, it kind of makes me see every once in a while I, uh, I want to know what's on the other side for them and for us. And, you know, I wasn't brought up believing in hell. I was brought up believing there was heaven and different levels of heaven. And, that, you know, but with all of this horrible stuff, I'm like, I hope there's a hell now. But, no, I don't want to hope that there's a hell. I mean, I don't know. I'm a little confused about that. depends on what religion you're brought up with. If you're brought up in Catholicism, you believe there's a hell and there's a heaven. So where are they going to go when it's over? I don't know, but when I'm really angry, I use the word, you know. When I'm not, I'm like, okay, well, God will deal with it, and I don't have mm-hmm. to think about it. You know, God will deal with them all, you know, mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. level. But last night, I was, you know, I was tortured very heavily after four nights without sleep. Mm-hmm. And they, they pushed me, they pushed me, and they pushed me so hard mm-hmm. until I start saying things like, I hope you go to hell, you know. Yeah. But that's that's as low as I go, and I don't express it to people. I don't say that to normal people. I wouldn't normally say that at all. I mm-hmm. wouldn't even believe that. Mm-hmm. But when you're being tortured so heavily that you feel like you just want to go out of your body, mm-hmm. then you're like, you start you start wondering, is there really a heaven? Is there really a hell? Well, I know mm-hmm. there's a heaven, but I don't know if there's really a hell. Where are they going to go after? Mm-hmm. That's a that's a big one, and um, I think for me, everyone has to answer. I believe to something, to some higher or lower power, and um, that's not. um, I don't know if I can even think that big right now. I think that I um. I'm on a one minute at a day time kind of thing. Yeah. And um, some of the things that we thought that we were raised to think, I mean, our whole paradigm, we've had a whole 360-degree paradigm shift. What if everything we've been taught has been absolutely a lie? Well, that would be 180 degrees in, in geometry, but yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Because if you went 360, you'd be back where you started. Which I happens. know. I know. But, I yeah, know. Um, you know, 
I'm not I'm not here to tell anybody what they should or shouldn't believe. Mm-hmm. But when you have to face that much cruelty, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm okay, I'm like, God will handle it all. He sees everything. Mm-hmm. You know, everything, every secret and every cruelty has already been known. Mm-hmm. And there's no question about that, you know. Mm-hmm. It's only when you're in the physical reality that you can't see through walls, like mm-hmm. unless you special technology to do it. Mm-hmm. But um, all those secrets are going to be known. Mm-hmm. So what ha- and I'm not expecting anyone to have the answer here uh, about what what consequences are they ever going to face, you know? Mm-hmm. And, I wrote uh, something today, Sue. I want to share it with you. And um, I just was writing in my journal, and I said, small victories can win a war. If it's at the right time, and I just that just came to my mind, you know. And can you Christ, say it again? Small, it? small victories can win a war if it's at the right time. Oh yeah, the timing. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. And right. at the right time came, like after like a minute after I wrote, small victories can win a war, and then after I, and then I wrote, if it's at the right time. Yeah. And um, on that note, I just wanted to share. I was, you know, just share. Christ will win over evil. Just kind of what you kind of thought, what you just. This is something I just that actually came from Matthew. Um, no, from Revelations actually. Christ yeah, will win over evil. Yeah, everything done in the dark will come to the light. Mm-hmm. Christ That's will. Right. And That's um, right. and I just wanted to share that with you, and maybe those. You know, every day, those small victories that we get every day, you know, um, will lead to, and I I have to have hope for that, you know, um, that people who are doing this are already in hell. Okay, Sue? They're already living a hellish life. They're already there. They don't even got to leave the planet for that. <laughs> They're already there. Well, maybe they don't get to leave the planet. You know? Oh, ooh. Who knows? Planet's going They're up all. in the mm-hmm. I finished my chicken now, so I've been listening to you, girl. Hi, Lonnie. Is that Lonnie? <laughs> Hi. And I know oh. she like. but look, we brought her the life. She likes that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, you're, you're talking about hell. Did you know that Jesus talked more about hell than he did about heaven? That's what was surprising to me. Uh, okay, but I, I want something that I heard this morning that I think might have something to do with us. If you study the book of Esther, it's a fascinating story, and David Jeremiah is doing it right now. But he's on. He, he he stayed on a particular verse that said, "Who knows? Maybe um, when when she had to go before the king and she didn't know if she's going to get killed or not by December before it because it was against the rules for her to do that without him calling her. So she said, "Okay, I'm going to go do it. And if I perish, I perish. You know." So she did. But uh, to encourage her, her uncle said, "Who knows? You may be you may have been created for this particular time." You know, to do something. And I believe each one of us, you know, those of us who know God, are 
uh, and are willing to, you know, follow him, have been created for a particular time. And this is it. <laughs> like it or not, I, I definitely believe that. Mm-hmm. So hang in there, folks, you know, because um, he does win in the end. Thank you for bringing that out, Anita. Oh, it, it says, that those are not my words. It said it in the word. Yes, it does. Okay. It said it in resolutions. Those are not my words. Um, there's something else. I was talking with, I had lunch with a friend the other day, and we were talking about uh, heaven and heaven, actually, was it. And I found it in the scripture. The Apostle Paul was taken up into what they call the third heaven. And it's in Second Corinthians. It's about the next to the last chapter somewhere, where he said, um, 14 years ago, a man, he says a man, but he's talking about himself. He said, a man was taken up into the third heaven which they called. Um, my footnote said that the first heaven is, you know, where the birds fly, you know, where uh, the atmosphere where the birds fly. Outside of that would be the uh, the universe. Wait, wait Lonnie, can, I want to hear that. Can you uh, get closer to your microphone or something? It's, really, it's kind of hard to hear. Okay, I, wanna, yeah. I really do want to hear what you're saying. This this phone's kind of a hard one, so let me know when it's not coming through. Second okay. Corinthians, next to the last chapter, I can't remember what the number is, but Paul, the Apostle Paul, talked about going being taken up into yeah. the third heaven. Okay. And my footnote in my uh, commentary says that it's understood that the first heaven is the atmosphere, you know, where the birds fly. The second heaven is the universe outside, and the third heaven is where God lives. And so Paul said he was taken up, that he didn't know whether he was in his body or out of his body, but he said God knows, and uh, he was told unspeakable things, things that were not supposed to be talked about. And he said, he said I'm going to say this, but he said, um, it won't do any good, but I'm going to say so because he just wanted people to know what happened. Um, I was reading, too, one of my commentaries said that um, that kind of says that, you know, thank you. Okay, ready? Oh, there's a good movie coming out that's getting good reviews called 90 Minutes in Heaven. You know, this guy died. He's a pastor, and he he died, and he came back. Okay. So a, a lot of that I think we have to take with skepticism because somebody else's experience is not always what we need to base our theology on. As it comes from straight from God, and I believe the Bible is that. But um, it was just saying that when you come back and you say that, that does you tell all about it. It's more, I think when Paul said it, it won't do any good, because everything he did and said, he wanted people to listen to what he did and said rather than this one time that he wanted to come back and say it's like this. Um, I think it's why God told him not to, because generally um, what it does is make somebody um, live their life, you know, as as a um, more like be more like Christ, you know. So, um, like what? We have to be careful when people come back and say, "I was taken to heaven and I come back," but the one that I would trust would be the Apostle Paul, <laughs> you know. Well, of course, Jesus came from there and went back, but. Um, Somebody like Paul, who spent his entire life and even in prison was rejoicing 
because he knew that he was following the right path, that he was ready to run the race, you know. And at the end, he knew. He said, I've run the race, and I'm um, I'm happy to uh, to go to my Lord then, you know. So uh, he's somebody I would trust. <laughs> and maybe this guy, maybe this guy with a new movie's coming out. I don't know. I read part of his book, but uh, we'll see. It was... Um, well, yeah, and there are other accounts of people who made that journey and came back and said, you know, that okay. a lot of a lot of those accounts agree with each other. You know, a lot of those they witness similar things, and uh, that's not it's not against any particular religion or belief system. It's, it's you know, firsthand experience. They they were allowed to come back for the specific reason of changing your life and spreading the word, you know. So it's very similar to what Paul was talking about. It just had to do it in modern times, you know. I was talking to some friends uh, over on, uh, what was what did we do, Labor Day, you know, and they were talking about it too. But, um, I read the book, and the first, I read the part, you know, about where he died, and he came back, and that was a miracle. And then it got into all the pain and suffering he had to go through to recover physically, and I just right. quit and, and my friend said, I stopped in too. So, you know, there is this world that we, if whatever reason we're back, we're back to that. But what I was going to say is, way back, 1970, I think it was, 68, 70, no, 68, yeah, 70. Is that Daniel Brinkley? Daniel no, Brinkley. Um, Raymond Moody wrote a book. Oh, called, Raymond Moody, yeah. Uh-huh. I, he wrote a book called Life After Life, you know, and I read that. Well, what I sent it to a friend that I had met. I was working at the World Fair down in San Antonio, and I met this guy who was just out of medical school, and um, we went out once, and I didn't know it, but he was engaged to somebody back home. He was in the military, you know, and he said he, so we went out the second time, and he, he said, we, I can't see you anymore, and I was crying, and he was crying too. You know, we liked each other, but um, what happened today? that he picked me up the second time is what he told me this. He said, um, we had an accident today on the freeway. They had a loop around San Antonio. And he said his friend Jim was driving his car, and he said, I turned and looked in the back seat, and his truck in front of me, in front of us, threw a big um, bearing or something that was about, you know, the size of a tennis ball. It went through the window. He said, right by me and landed in the back seat. It ruined uh, Jim's car. But I said, I said, well, you're okay. It's not a scratch on him. He said, and later, we're just sitting there, and he's looking straight ahead, and he said, I died. What? You know, I'm going, say what? You know, this was before Raymond Moody came out with that. And he said, I died. And I said, what in the world are you talking about? He said, I saw, he saw his grandfather. He saw people that he had known before. And that's really about all it was, but he said, I died. He thought he really died, so apparently he must have, but it didn't touch him. It just, it was, it was I guess you call that a near-death thing. And then Raymond Moody came out with those stories after that. So I think some of them can be taken um, too far, you know, some of those can. But he really meant it. It wasn't something, he said, that's why I have to go back to my fiance, because I promised, you know, we're, We've known each other for a long time, and he said, I love you, but um, I have to go. <laughs> we have to go. He said, uh, 
uh, we promised, you know, if anything ever happened, we'd get back together. So I sent him that book about two years later after I read it. But um, that's the only time I've ever talked to anyone who said they died. You know, but that was even before all those people had talked about that. Oh, he did say in medical school, he said, I remember people saying something like that when it, it, when he worked in emergency room, you know, as an intern. But um, And I think Moody, wasn't Moody a doctor? Was he a doctor? Something like that. Anyway, so he had heard people say that too. And Moody wrote a book after that because he talked about heaven in the first one. And he wrote a book after that because he had heard people say they were in hell. Yeah. He said there is that opposite. Um, yeah. An opposite kind of death. That, yeah. You know, so anyway. Yeah, and that most of the most of the near death experiences where they actually remember what happened to them, mm-hmm. um, most of them are to the light, but some of them do go to the dark side. So they're mm-hmm. if, if they're if they're telling the truth, then there must be you know something yeah. there. And I yeah. found it Second uh, Corinthians chapter twelve is the is the one about the third heaven. Okay. I'm going to read that later, so I can. I'll just read that later instead. But I did find it in in the, my book here. It starts out uh, 14 years ago. I was taken up to heaven for a visit. Don't ask me whether my body was there or just my spirit, for I don't know. Only God can answer that. That's how it starts. So that's Second Corinthians chapter 12. If anybody wants to look it up. a marker on that one. You know, uh, what's the name of the lady that wrote um, Embraced by the Light? Did you read that book? Oh, I've heard of it. I don't... Yeah, that's that's a whole... She was uh, very depressed. I think she had attempted suicide. Mm-hmm. And uh, she had a near-death experience, too. And when she mm-hmm. came back, her whole book is about it. It's easy to read, and it's very, very, um, you know, it's very encouraging. Because she she struggled with depression most of her life. And then when she had that experience and came back, it was to spread the word about the light on the other mm-hmm. side. And so then she ended up getting really famous over it. You know, she was just a regular housewife, you know, more. <laughs> and then... Uh, then she wrote another book after that. I think I read, but I can't remember. But Embraced by the Light, that's the famous one. And, and it's uh, it's good reading for anybody who wants to hear that account. You know, going through the tunnel, seeing the relatives, seeing Christ, mm-hmm. what he told her. Well, if anything, it lets us know, the Bible tells us that God has put eternity in the human heart. I think that's out of Job. But um, to know that we were not created to um, stop when we die. We're going to keep going. And it's very important to know where we're going before we get there. Yeah, that's true. 
But, you know, what if these guys, uh, you know, what if they're not allowed into heaven after what they're doing to us? I don't think anyone who fears God could do what they're doing. I just don't see it. Mm-hmm. Oh my. No matter what kind of delusion they may no be No matter on. what. I don't see it. Uh-uh. What, what's that? Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't understand. I couldn't understand. Okay, I just don't believe that anyone who fears God can do the kind of things they're doing. It's oh, too right, evil. I hear you saying. Yeah, I hear you. Mm-hmm. It's too low, low down. You know, this is low down evil. It's not your basic um, old-fashioned kind of evil. <laughs> this is something else. <laughs> yeah. And my prayers, you know, at first, for a long time, I thought, okay, because I believe Jesus will come soon. I don't, uh, I don't think there's any questions about that in my mind, anyway. But, um, and I would pray. I, I pray for people I love who are are not saved, of course, you know. And I want him to come. And the friends I have who don't want him to come quite yet have somebody, a son, a daughter, somebody who hasn't come to Christ yet, and so they they want him to wait, you know. I've been praying for him to come, come, come. Um, and I thought he was delaying because I thought some of these perps are going to come to him. But it's getting so hideous and so evil. I said, Lord, if they're not going to come, <laughs> let's give up on them. I mean, I'm ready, I'm ready to say, okay, come, come, eternity. I'm ready for it, you know. Um, he's the only one he knows. I don't. And he's waiting for that last person because he loves everybody. I can't do it, but he's helping me. I cannot love everybody. I'm working on it, but it's difficult. Well, yeah, I know. It's very hard when they, you know, you you grow up being a forgiving person, and then you're challenged with the, with the fact that some of these guys don't want forgiveness. No. They just don't want it. And you're like, wait a minute, I'm trying so hard to understand the motivations and the problems they had as children that forced them into it or whatever. You know, know, what kind of greed or personality disorders. I mean, I'm going through all my knowledge, right, to figure out how. You still there? I can't. We lost God. Let me see. She'll be right back. She probably got clicked off. Oh, uh, yeah, she fell off. Mm -hmm. She falls off all the time. She'll be back. Mm -hmm. They do that to me, too. Hey, Anita, it's Friday. Oh, I know. I made it through. I made it. This is my second full week of work. Yay! Yay! Good. Mm-hmm. Second full week. Wow, full week. Full week of work. So I'm just, you know. That's what always surprises me when you're on the on the line and it's very late where you are. I know mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. You know what? I just, you know, I'm 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 doing better. I'm doing okay. Sometimes, it, like I said. It depends. If I can get a good two hours sleep, 
Because, you know, we don't sleep. Even if I wasn't on, we don't sleep anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if I could, I mean, if I can get a good, sometimes it's just 20, 30 minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. And I don't stress out about it. Sometimes I just lay there and I just relax or I breathe, you know. Like last night was a rough night, like Sue was saying. And I just laid there, I relaxed, I had my fan on, you know. And um, I don't don't stress out about not sleeping. No, you're right. That's the best thing. At Mm -hmm. first, I did too. I thought, oh, dear, I need this amount of sleep, you know. Mm -hmm. And I'm getting older, so maybe I don't need as much as I did, but I still need this amount. Well, I decided, uh, this was a resolution. I said, Lonnie. You're going to put every shielding you can on That's right. and sleep through it and not worry about it. Because if, right. if it's my time to go, it's my time to go. That's one right. That's it. And that's it. And, that, and that's, and I, you know, we know, and I know that you're a woman of faith, but we know God gives us three senses, physical, spiritual, and emotional. And we know we have to use the knowledge that we have. We know we got to protect ourselves. I do that, and but I don't. Oh my God! Did you know when I first came on? You know I didn't sleep. Oh my God! I mean, and I was someone who loved to go to bed. I was at the exact time I went to bed, did my bath. I mean, I was. I mean, that was just me. Call me after eleven o'clock. I have an attitude. <laughs> my family knew. Do not call her after eleven o'clock. You know. Yeah. Now forget it. <laughs> So, but I just, um, I don't, I don't stress out about it anymore. And if I could, like, I may sleep, I may sleep after I get out of work. Hey, and, you know, if I can, if I can, that's okay. If I can't, as long as I'm doing something relaxing. Um, and I guess I came home today, I read the Bible, I took some notes. Uh, you know, that's relaxing. Yeah. And um, something productive. And, but the, that, mm-mm. You know, I won't, but I won't, one thing also, also I won't drive if I'm tired. Yeah. You know, because they, 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 they want you to do, because, you know, you get in an accident and stuff. So. Exactly. Mm-hmm. so if I get a good 20, you know, sometimes it's just 20 minutes, Lonnie. I know. Well, I found that those, what was it, John Kennedy used to take power naps, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think do that, you know. Yes, because, you know, some, whatever the, whatever the thing I don't know if you know this, like everybody has a little time. They usually don't stop until about 5.30 or, mm-hmm. you know, it seems like the time they want to stop, you know, with it. And then it's time for me to get up then, you know. Right. So I don't... There's shift changes. It's, I guess it's like Brian says, they have these shifts, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just during the 24-hour period. And right. I, I just, oh, you, you can know, tell. You can tell, and also you could. I. It's funny. I don't know about you because you mentioned something. Sue mentioned something about. I believe. I. I just know that God has angels on both sides. Mm-hmm. You, I really believe that, and um, and it's it's funny how we you know, and that um, some of those angels are also looking out for us. They may have got caught up. Tell me that you Excuse me? Angels on both sides? Mm-hmm. What's that? You mean the good side? Yeah, what I mean by that is that you have some people, people, let me not say angels, people uh-huh. who may have gotten caught up in this and then they realize what they're doing. You know what I mean? 
I'm I'm choosing to believe so. Yeah, that's good. You know, that may not have understood. I don't know. I'm just, that's what I'm hoping, you know. Well, it's deceptive, so, uh, and there is, there is somewhere in the Bible says that um, you will be persecuted by those who think they're doing good, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So um, the devil is very deceptive. Mm-hmm. I guess, but I guess, I'm, you know what I'm trying to say, Lonnie, that God will use anybody. Mm-hmm. He can use anybody. That's what I'm trying to say. Even the lowest of the low, he you t- he touches you, and that's it. Right. That's exactly. what I meant to say. He can touch. He can do. If he can do it for me, he can do it for anybody. That's what I'm trying to say. You so know? he can do great things with you. Yes, I mean he, he can. can do, you just ask him. He will, because oh, I believe we're all here for uh, a reason. Now it's a choice. You know, we have to say, okay, we're gonna. We're going to work for God or we're going to work for evil. Or we're just going to work for ourselves, you know, mm-hmm. which is the same as evil. But um, if, if, what's that one, Romans eight twenty eight? All things work for good. That's for exact, There you go. Oh, that's right. right. And that's your call according to his purpose. Mm-hmm. And, you just, and that's what I was trying to say, that he has his angels. Because you have, he may touch that person on the... Mm-hmm. You know, and you don't, and the person may not even be aware aware, because he doesn't know that he's being used for God's good. He may not even know it, you know? Oh, yeah. I think some of these um, bad guys from history got used a certain way, you know, because they didn't know it. But um, Mm. straight anybody. Mm -hmm. I just love that story about Mm -hmm. King Cyrus back, you know, way back. Because he was. Said 150 years before he was Cyrus was even born, he told mm-hmm. Isaiah, "This game, this guy in Cyrus is going to do good," mm-hmm. and he told the um, the people they could go back to Jerusalem mm-hmm. <laughs> after his conquered mm-hmm. that it, it, That's a fascinating story. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, can I mean that's you know, and we don't sometimes think about that and how. Um, God could just use people, and sometimes I, one thing a friend of mine he was a he's a pastor, and he taught me something. You can't who you cannot judge another person's sin because sin is sin. I have no right. I have no right to judge someone else for their behavior. You know what I mean? And, no, um, you can't. You, you can't be careful. I can't decide where they're going. No, we that's, no, we have no right to do that. We know we have no right to judge. I think it's important for me. I mean, I, not that I don't have a right. Mm-hmm. We are supposed to judge behavior. You know, mm-hmm. if somebody's uh, doing the wrong thing, we should judge that that is wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. to say whether somebody's going to hell or not, that's not to me. That's not, not because, no. Not because it's not my right, but because I just don't have that ability. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I don't have the ability to say. You're going here, you're going there. That's mm-hmm. God himself. So. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it? She said, don't fear those who can kill the body. Fear, fear the one who can send you to hell or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. your soul to hell. And that's the fear, I think, that maybe here's, now I believe in the rapture. I'm still holding on to that. I believe that's mm-hmm. a real thing. When he takes us all out of here, of course, it's got to yes. be pretty obvious to all these perps that, 
they've been going the wrong way, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. something wrong. So mm-hmm. who knows? Maybe they'll come around then. Mm-hmm. If you want them, it's okay with me. <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard. I don't want them. They need working on me. <laughs> I know. I don't want to be in their shoes. Any, any of those people's shoes. Because at the end of the day, you know, we all have to, we all will close our eyes. We all have our minute and our, our appointed time and our appointed date, don't we? Yeah. Wow. And we all do. And, um, you know. I just thought, interesting. You remember that awful guy, Dahmer, Jeffrey Dahmer? Yes, yes. Okay. I, I think I said this, but I saw a film clip of an interview right before he died. You know, they killed him in prison. Somebody killed mm-hmm. him there. But mm-hmm. he said his father had sent him, um, I guess, I don't know, information. He said, I never knew that there was such a thing as accountability, and that's why I just did everything I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But said, And he said he accepted Christ. I can't make that judgment, you know. Mm-hmm. Only Christ can make that judgment. But he said that's why there was no limit to what he was doing because he didn't believe he was going to be accountable. But apparently, uh, mm-hmm. that's interesting. But <laughs> yeah. that's a typical sign of someone who's a psychopath. Also, I don't oh, feel yeah. like that they have to be accountable for anything, right? Mm-hmm. For their behavior, because they don't have anybody to answer. They feel like they don't have to answer for. Like you said before. Um, someone said, well, doesn't this person feel like they they have to be accountable for their sins? Not mm-hmm. if they don't have faith or they don't believe or that they're accountable to anybody. So, you know. So they just, there's no limit. <laughs> no limit. And that's what I think a lot happened with this technology. It's so covert. They feel so comfortable mm-hmm. that they're not going to be caught and it won't be exposed. Mm-hmm. And that's why there's no limit to some of the things mm-hmm. that people do. Well, you it know, is. we but we know, we know, Tom, you know, we know that that's not yeah. going to be the case. I just think that for me, I'm kind of, um, you know, you, you, you still get to the point and I can understand with Sue, you're tired. You're like, when is this going to, like, wh- like, you just, wh- you know, and I know I don't question God. I never have. Believe it or not, I never have, honey. But you know, we this is um, not of him, or not of our Lord. No. And I know that. Did you ever see the hiding place? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What did you say? Yeah. Did you ever see the hiding place? Oh yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay. When Corey and her sister ended up in the concentration. Yeah, but I remember her sister saying, oh, Corey, we are in hell, you know. Mm-hmm. And that that was a long time that her sister died, but she was she stayed there a long time. I can imagine, you know, they just thought, this is forever, you know. Mm-hmm. It had to be something like that. So um, even though some of us have been dealing with this a lot longer than those years that they spent, that must have been a time when um, it would have been hard. To, you know, to stay with God for most people. So mm-hmm. That's why he put people like that in there. Oh, here we are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, I have a... Uh, we're just talking now. I'm, I'm 
my my mind is going many places. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> my <laughs> uncle. I'm named after my uncle, and okay. he he died on the USS Arizona in Pearl Harbor. Okay. okay. My dad said she's going to be this kid's going to be named Lonnie, whether it's a boy or a girl, and I'll take her fishing anyway. So he did. Mm-hmm. But, um, my dad never really talked about. I, I asked him about how. It happened. They never found his body. And my dad said, well, he had been assigned to the crow's nest. We were hoping that he was blown out of the crow's nest at the initial attack. But, you know, after dad died, I read about what happened to those men on the Arizona. Um, that so many of them, several couple of hundred at least, were trapped inside that hall for two weeks. And they could hear uh, knocking on the hall, and there was no way to get to them. Um, and I'm afraid that haunted my dad. That was his twin brother. I'm afraid it haunted my dad all his life because he, they were not raised um, in the church or as Christians. Mm-hmm. Dad became a Christian after he married my mother, who was raised, you know, with a, in a preacher's daughter. But long before my dad died, and this is hard to say, okay, my dad was um, in the hospital, and just before he died, they were going to take the tube out, and I knew he wasn't going to be able to breathe, but this was the only thing to do. At that point, he, he didn't want it in there, you know. And I said, now, Dad, you think about when you and Lonnie were um, were playing as, as little boys, and he, he shook his head no. And I thought, that's what it is. He thinks Lonnie did not make it, you know, is not going to be in heaven with him. Here's what I've been thinking. Somewhere in those two weeks, when those men were suffocating and starving, um, somebody was there who knew God, knew Christ. Yeah. And somebody was there to witness to those men. So I have I have every reason to believe that my uncle, I'll get to meet my uncle one day and that my father will be able to be with him one day. Yeah. <laughs> It's just yeah. that now that's a story that I'm that's just my faith talking. Yeah. Know? But it, it's comforting to me. And yeah. I didn't realize how serious it was. It was hard for my dad all his life to uh, come to Christ and stay there because he was still drawn to his brother. Mm-hmm. It's so sad. I'll start crying if I keep talking more than that's I all right, Lonnie. Okay. Yeah. And even this is what I've learned as um because we grew up really with so that's where the material when you hear me talk sometimes, you know, you know, when people are losing their cars, their houses and all that stuff and you know, it that doesn't matter to me because we grew up without anything, you know. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And um I lost my father just before my targeting start started and my son well you know here we have 11 a lot of brothers and sisters and um you know it was very difficult for us because you know um it's not the stereotype that they have about black men we didn't we didn't know anything about you know what i mean all of that stuff my father was a man who took care of his children you know um did his best he could and even in the midst of some of the most, you know, we didn't have, sometimes we didn't have anything to eat. But you know what? We still had hope. And we still had um, faith. 
gonna, you know, do well in this world and and um like uh, even in the, some of the worst conditions we still mm-hmm. God is still there. He's always there. That's my point. He's yes. always there. Even when I on our torturing, doing whatever we're going through, he has never forsaked us. Never. No one could ever take that away, no matter how much they try. And, you know, I'm a lot closer to, I, I, I thought I lived kind of a charmed life. Just We were okay. Mom and Dad grew up without anything. And they worked hard, and they did well. Mm-hmm. And we had what we needed. I got to go to school where I wanted to go, you know, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And uh, I never wanted for anything. I was never, mm-hmm. I never been hungry. Mm-hmm. And then when this started, and I had God with me the whole time. I've known Christ since I was 12 or something. Mm-hmm. I knew it before then, but I accepted him. So this is 50-something years later, but I'm a lot closer to him than I've ever been. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. of this. And I think that, in one way, that's the way he works. You know, mm-hmm. he, um, you're more aware of his presence mm-hmm. when we hurt. And yeah. too, you can understand I guess I still have a hard time with the idea that he absolutely had to suffer in the way he did. That there's something about hurting that brings us close to him and lets us know that there's so much more than this material world. Mm-hmm. There is so much more. Of course, and, of course. I'm grateful for that. So, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. whenever he's ready, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, here's the thing, though, is that we got to understand it's in his will, Lonnie. Because everything is in his will, his will, God's will. And we have to understand that he has a purpose for every life. And we have to live in that will. And when I understand that, one day at a time, that keeps me going. Are you serving God? Are you you know, are you in, living in his purpose and his will? Not my will, but his. After that, anything else that comes, and I'm just hearing you tell your story, you've dealt, we've all have a story. Everybody here, whoever's listening, we have a story, but something we're aware, whatever we've gone through, this, this life that we're going through right now, we are, we are aware even more so of the smell of a flower, the smell of being able to have joy and grace and say, okay, this is the life that I have right now, and I can still find joy. I can still, you know, and I know you're going to understand this line. I got to praise. I still got to praise dance. Mm-hmm. Yes. I still got a song. Yes. Exactly. Despite, despite whatever, everything else that's going on, I still got a song. I still got a praise in my heart. Yes. And no That's what you said earlier. It's, it's his timing, too. It's his will, but it's his timing. Yes. And you know what happens. I read the end of the book, and he wins, and, and I love it. I'm, mm-hmm. it it's going to seem like a, this will seem like a short time eventually, you know, when um. It's like the Papa Paul was saying, you know, I've run the race, I've overcome, and mm-hmm. that's when the, the joy just mm-hmm. gets overwhelming. But right. um, looking ahead at it now, only people who believe, you know, like you and I are talking, can look that far ahead. Because otherwise we get worried about the moment, you know, Definitely. we get into the moment, 
and look what I lost, and look what I, uh, mm-hmm. I planned on something that just didn't happen, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I had all these plans for my retirement that, you know, are different <laughs> from what mm-hmm. they were Me supposed too. to be. Mm-hmm. But, um, God, God's the one who directs it. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a key somewhere. I think it's Job. I don't know where it is. That man makes his own plans, but God directs his path. That's the yes, ma'am. That's right. Hear it from. Either all the artwork that I intended to do, the ideas I had, will come to some kind of fruition later on if they're important enough. If they came from him, they will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. You know, and, Is it just you and I on here? I'm sure. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm, I'm sure. No. I'm, I mean, I don't know. Whoever it is, they're listening. <laughs> Somebody make it safe tonight, Lummy. We don't know. You know. We can be a witness. We're here to be witnesses. We're here, you know. Like you said, we don't know. We don't know the minute or the hour. No. So I mean, all they got to do is repent and admit. (laughs) Let them in. And I hope Sky's okay. Yeah, she may have gotten off. I mean, I think it's kind of difficult when they have two. They have two calls on one night, you know. So, oh yeah, that's right. You know, so what it is. But we're going to um, do what we need to do, honey, one day at a time. You know, every day that God gives us breath in our body, that's a good day. You know, mm-hmm. it's a good day. You know, we know some of us are in pain. And, you know, my my pain level was a little lower today, thank God, because usually I'm in a lot of pain, you know. Mm-hmm. But today was a good day. And I'm learning something to do. They ha- I bought some little um, shoes, right, and they have rubbers. They're like... Um, Water shoes, and I um, started wearing those at night because they hit my feet a lot, and uh, so I have less pain in my feet now. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. They're little, I don't know if you ever seen them. They're like uh, water shoes, and they have like a little rubber bottom on them. And right. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when they hit your feet, they don't hit you. They don't hit your feet because, you know, they got the rubber. Yeah. And they're not heavy. They're not heavy. It's little water shoes. They sell them at Walmart and, you know, different kind of places. And, um, like you wear in the garden, kind of? No, well, you wear them in the water. You can wear them in the water. Oh, okay. You can wear them in the ocean or something like that. Yeah. But the nice thing is they're a sporto mix them, but they have, like, a little rubber bottom to them. Mm -hmm. And they're comfortable. So, you know, like yeah. rubber leather shoes or something. That's I, I can't sleep like that. So I found the. I'm like, oh, okay, this is comfortable to sleep in and protect my feet. Because I will wake up and my feet will be real burned, you know? I know. Mm-hmm. I don't mind if I, you know, kick the covers off or something and mm-hmm. stick them out there, but they don't usually bother them unless I, unless I do that. They look. Okay, right, right. Well, they often, they, they talk at my feet, so. 
You know, I gotta put something on these because I was wearing socks and stuff, but they were, you know, they, these mm-hmm. shoes they, and they're not real heavy. They're like they they feel like um like light. They're real light, like um like you're wearing like um yeah. you know house shoes or something like that. But they have a rubber bottom to them, and well, they cover your whole feet. Here's um uh, I, I like those um I talked about it before. I like those those rubber mats that you get, you know, at Walmart for about ten dollars and they're uh with the suction cups on the back but right, okay. you can cut those off. But you can cut those in different shapes and put them around your, your legs or your knees or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they work they, they work, yeah. 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 I mean it's something I don't know. It's just I'm just hoping it just stop, you know? Mhm. Guess with this, um, who, who never knew heard what you or what you hear in the news about the brain initiative was talking about people that it was just going to choose people, anybody to do it on. You know that's what it was about. Yeah. You know you just hear about it on you know the news. You know. Mm-hmm. I keep hearing all these different studies that they do. You know mm-hmm. that has to do with it too. Uh, I'm kind of sick of it. I think we ought to write. Ben Carson and tell him what's happened to the <laughs> that that realm of medicine in the last. Oh wow! Yeah, he's a yeah, he's a yeah. You never know; he may be already a part of it. We don't know. I don't. I don't think so. I oh. like him. I I got my ticket ready. I want it to be Rand Paul and Ben Carson. Mm-hmm, either mm-hmm. either yeah. one on top. I don't care. I like them both. Oh. They don't really agree on everything, but I don't either. But well. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess I'll pay more attention this time than I have been in the last mm-hmm. in the last one. Wow. I used to be so politically active mm-hmm. that I just got sick of it. <laughs> oh so wow! I was very much with the environmental mm-hmm. movement, you know. Okay, is that why your targeting began because of that? No, I don't think so. Um, oh. That that was quite a while ago. Back at the Sierra Club, I was with the Sierra Club there in Dallas, and they would send us to Washington to lobby, you know, hospitals there. So we did that. And uh, it was when the Clean Air Act and the Clean Water Act were going on. So we got those things in, but uh, lots happened since then. Super fun, you know, Mm -hmm. to clean up. And look what a mess they made in Colorado the other day, trying to clean up something. That was a shame. Anyway, I was so much into politics when I joined the Sierra Club. They just put me into that, and I wanted to go hiking, you know. And I just didn't even try to do that then after that. So I thought, I'm kind of tired of this, you know. I'm trying to quit. Can we put Karen to sleep? Hey, Karen. Well, I'm here. I'm here. I'm listening. Okay. <laughs> Is it just us three? Sky didn't come back? <clears throat> Let's see. In just a minute. I was checking my email. Okay. Um, no, she's back. I just have to unmute her. Sorry, Sky. 
There's someone from West Washington State that wants to be unmuted, too. So hang on one second while I unmute this other person. West Washington State, I'm going to unmute you, but I've unmuted you three times so far, and your line was really noisy. So you might want to mute your mic until you talk. Yeah, and I'm trying to put that in the fire. Oh, yeah, that's a lot of background. Yeah, yeah I'm back. Is, uh, hi, they welcome come, back. They cut me off in the middle of the sentence again, that's why. Figures, <laughs> right? Part for the course with you. Yeah. What I was trying to get at about half an hour ago <laughs> was the question of whether I'm whether I'm responsible for forgiving them or not. And why, you know, after doing all the work to try to understand so that I could forgive them, they make it worse. So, um, okay. you know, that's, there's a whole nother level to it, you know. Every yeah. time I try to be go, go back to being understanding and forgiving them, and, uh, you know, they want to upgrade to make it work. So that tells you something right there. Actually, even if, even even by example, mm-hmm. while I was while I was you know um, telling you it, they cut me off just to show that they don't want it. You know, they don't want you to understand. They don't want you to forgive them. And it's maybe not up to me anyway. It's going to be up to God mm-hmm. in the end. But while I'm trying to do my part, why would they mm-hmm. want to make it more difficult? Mm-hmm. Huh? They don't believe in him. They don't know. They don't understand. They will, but they don't yet. And I think that's why forgiveness, I believe, has to happen within us. You know, it helps us. Forgiveness has to happen within us whether the other person understands or wants it, you know, or accepts it or even knows about it. Because, you know, they talk about people forgiving like parents who have already died, um, who have done... Some parents have done really bad stuff, and mm-hmm. if they can forgive their parents, then they could go on and live their lives, you know, okay. The, the, the challenge, I believe, for us is that this is so ongoing. It just mm-hmm. keeps coming over and over. But maybe God says, okay, Lonnie, you're almost there, but you're not quite there yet. And mm-hmm. I don't know, but I, I want to be ready in his eyes. I mean, I, I might say, okay, I'm ready right now but he may know better. And I want a really good eternity. I want the kind of eternity that he planned for me in the first place. <laughs> so I'm going to keep forgiving these people. I don't like them. God knows I don't like them. And mm-hmm. God knows that if they're not going to come to him, go ahead and just send them where they chose They chose to go, you know. Like I said, even for, I don't know where I said it, but mm-hmm. I believe in a rapture. And when all of a sudden people who believe in Christ are gone and out of this world, the people who have been doing this horrible stuff to us are going to say, wait a minute, what happened here? And we fix it. So uh, that's, it's up to God. It shouldn't take them them by surprise because while they've been listening to us for the last 15 or 20 years, they already had their choices. You know, it's not a big secret. We've been talking about this. They chose spiritual people in the first place 
because they want to keep us away. And then, you know, what's the big surprise Mm -hmm. in the end? When they had this chance, Mm -hmm. they have these chances every day, every night, every time they pick up the weapons. Their technology Mm is their God. I believe that's our biggest cultural problem here in this time is that we've made technology our God. Because we have power with it, you know. Mm-hmm. That's, the big, that's mm-hmm. their basket and this power they got. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe that's why they're denying mm-hmm. God right now. When I pick up forgiveness, Sue, for me, I think when I forgive someone who does me wrong, it frees me from that person. Mm-hmm. It breaks their it breaks their yoke on off of me. Yeah. When I pick yeah. up forgiveness, it's not about. I could, if I forgive someone who's done me wrong, right, I'm breaking a chain. I'm saying I'm no longer going to be your victim. I'm no longer going to be connected to you. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's about, so forgiveness frees you. Yeah, yeah but then they so then they, they try to hook you back in because they don't want to free you. That's, 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 that's part of abuse. That's the abuse cycle. Yeah, you know that's what, I mean? what they want. Right, they right, want to hold on, and they right, want to keep their go. clutches tight and that's right, you know, that's gripping right. tight. And that's what abusers do. Even like, mm-hmm. you know, if you ever work with women who've been abused, the person, I forgive you, I forgive you. You know, then they come back and do it again. Do it again. Those, so you're dealing with people who are literally, who are abusers. They're this. They are. They These people literally, on the, the human people on this are abusers. They enjoy inflicting pain. Yeah. They enjoy it. So when you forgive and you say, okay, I forgive you, you are breaking that that bond, that bond that they have, right, setting yourself free, mm-hmm. you know, and um, that's what how I see forgiveness. So I'm no longer, someone's broke my heart, and I forgive you. You did me wrong, so I'm no longer now connected. See, if I held on to that person and I stayed mad at him, I can't stand you, so-and-so-and-so. No, that keeps me um, bound to that person, you know. Yeah, if I can in that negative state. Yeah, it keeps like. me, that's right. It keeps me in that negative place all the time. I can't grow as a person because I'm still mad. I told you a couple of weeks ago about someone, my lover, an old lover of mine, decided to come back and uh, re-traumatize me. <laughs> I guess I don't know why he did that. But I had already forgiven him. I had already, that bond was already broken with him. You know what I mean? But he decided he still needed to come, call me after three years, to make an amends to me, which he did a terrible job at it, you know? <laughs> he didn't realize I had already forgiven him and had set him free, and I was already free of him, you know? Good. So Good I was no longer connected, but these individuals refuse. They want to keep, they, they, that's part of the, the, the trauma, they don't want, you're right, they don't want their forgiveness, but you can still give it because it will free you spiritually and emotionally from these individuals who are doing this. So. I agree. You know, I haven't perfected it yet, but I do agree. It is. No, it, 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 
it, it you know what, Mom? It is a lifetime. I've had to forgive some people because they were it was kept me connected to them, and yeah. I know it no longer fit that that those situations no longer fit. And I'm not relating this to the targeting, but forgiving these individuals allowed me to move on with my life. And if mm-hmm. I hadn't forgave, forgiven them, it would have turned me into something I didn't want to be. Right. Me, I don't want to be bitter. I don't want to be mean. And I told, we talked about this the other night. I, I, I'm holding on to my humanity because people will take try them. They're you know that they're perp they're used in some way you know to take that away. But I had learned the you know, and it says it in the word about forgiveness. You know how we have to forgive. But here's the per what's the purpose of it is to so you're not bound to. You know, you you're no longer the victim. You're no longer someone's victim. You know, I don't know whether I don't think you all were on that. Julie used to do um, did a Bible study on a book called The Bait of Satan, and um, it's it, it's on forgiving people. You know, it's a lot of it's about forgiving people because that's that's one of Satan's uh, ways to deal with it, just to keep us from doing that. Mm-hmm. Because we still want a hold of us, you know, if we if we can't. But it's a pretty good book. I didn't um I didn't agree with everything the guy said, but uh basically it's it's a pretty good book. We did that mm-hmm. we did that for about six weeks, I think, something like that. So. Mm-hmm. I would off I could never understand how someone you always hear that on television, how someone um had murdered a person's child or something like that. Yeah. And the person would say, I forgive I forgive the person who had victimized them or murdered, you know, one of their loved ones. And you're sitting there like, I know if they were a person would have did that to I would, mm-mm. you mm-hmm. know. And then as I got older and I understood what forgiveness really was about, that spiritual connection that you're breaking with the person who has victimized you, it's mm-hmm. about freedom. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. And, um, it's hard. Um, Somebody. It really is. Obviously, the people who are doing this to us, you know, but um, obviously they don't want to break that connection, you know, mm-hmm. but we have to constantly. You know, also maybe the self-compassion, self-compassion comes into the play where I can forgive myself for, guess what, for being, and you know, I want to be angry. I want to be, you know. I like how Sue says that sometimes we have to change our frequencies. Our frequency, I don't want to be the mellow today. I want to look. I'm, this is how I want to be today. You know, I'm fighting today, you know. So, but I understand more and more about. My mother taught me a long time ago, and I didn't understand this. She, she was married for 42 years. She said that her marriage lasts for 42 years because she understood forgiveness. Oh, yeah. He said she had to learn how to forgive and then let let it go. And I was like, oh, she said, if you love, you forgive. I said, I said, Mom, it's so, you know, I could never, I didn't understand it until I got older, you know. Yeah, but that also has its downside because um, I don't know your parents or how they were, but 
you know, in some cases, like we're going back to the abusive relationship where a girl goes, I'll forgive him again, I'll forgive him, and the next thing she's in the hospital and she's got broken bones, right. I'll forgive him again. I mean, there's got to be a point of good judgment, too. Of course. That's you know, Mm-hmm. That's a, they call that codependent. Mm-hmm. Somebody who needs to be needed and somebody who likes to be provided. <laughs> you know, I tried to rescue an alcoholic for 10 years, and uh, that's, mm-hmm. that I, re- I realized what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I was enabling that person because yeah. I was covering for You know what I mean? You, you can, you're right. I mean, there is that thing that gets into my own sickness, you know, and uh, I, I realized, whoa, something's wrong there. So, um, yeah, it, 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 can be ta- it has to be balanced out with good judgment, you know. Of course, of course. Yeah. Of That's course. what Al Anon and AA have some really good uh, lessons, you know, for for um, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So, I was glad. Actually, it was beneficial to go to some Al Anon meetings, you know, and hear people. I would say, yeah, but uh, he's so pitiful, he's going to die. And they said, yeah. And he's and and I've quoted the Bible. I grew up singing that song, "Rescue the Perishing, Care for the Dying." Jesus is merciful. Jesus will save. So I try to save this guy. And some guy spoke up at Al-Anon. He said, "Yeah." He says, "Don't cast your pearl before swine." Oh, right. And it may not be a swine, but sure as acting like it. <laughs> you have to mm-hmm. have some self-respect in it. That's right. And if they have to die because of their addictions or their bad behaviors, and that's going to be their consequence. You can't mm-hmm. save them from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the choice. It's it's the when when this kid started bothering me and the court case was out and I started getting targeted, you know, badly, and I had to move because of it. My mother visited me one time. My mother had good advice, too. And uh, I said, Mother, I just don't know how to deal with this. And she looked at me and she said, well, maybe you can feel sorry for him. <laughs> that was her way of, you know. And I thought, okay, I can feel sorry for him. And I did. Uh, that I just had a precious mother who overlooked an awful lot with me and with the family, everybody, you know. And I have never been able to do that. I want to solve all the problems. But um, she just would let things roll off in that way and say, well, just feel sorry for him. It was a pitiful situation. And it will be a pitiful situation. I don't know whether he's still in the same stuff or not, but if he is, then um, then I do feel sorry for him because this this life is not just all there is. Is everybody still there? Am I gone? No. Oh, no. no. Oh, no. <laughs> just absorbing the word. Okay. Yeah, I, I, um, you know, they, they push me to, to the edge a lot, and um, I, I have to go back and forth deciding whether I want to stay here or not. Sometimes, and they clearly do not, you know, when they, they take you to the edge of life and death. In a sense, they don't want to let you go. And uh, then they pull you back in, you know, let you recover for a little bit so they can do it all over. They just, they really get pleasure out of taking you to the edge of death, you know what I mean? They don't and, want to uh, they, they want to see you suffer. They want to, they just, I mean, they can't get enough of it. It's 
Mm-hmm. Horrible. But when I'm at that place, I get a blessing in disguise because when I have, when the veil is very thin, I get to see a lot more of the other side and then I have to come back again. You know what I mean? So it's not like, it's not really a death experience per se. You're not, not the typical, you know, clinical study near death experience, but I do get really close where I'm hovering a little bit in between worlds. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, in a way, I get a lot more clarity about it, but I also see that the questions that I have about it are, what will I do when I get there? Because will I want to do something else when I'm not stuck in the body? And if there are options, there are several things I would like to do when I get out of this body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and forgiveness is one of them. The other thing is, what if I don't forgive? What if I want to come back in, in a vengeful spirit, you know? I mean, I have to think about this stuff because I don't want to be stuck here going around with a vengeful spirit, you know, engaging in the enemies while they're still here. Because mm-hmm. I mean, there's a whole other set of, you know, warfare principles that can be engaged in on those levels. Mm-hmm. And... um you know, when I when I get to that crossroad, I'm really going to have to make some serious decisions. Mm-hmm. Certainly, I want to be at home with God in the light and not have to deal with it anymore. But there is a part of me that wants justice, and I can't let that go yet. I'm not ready to let it go yet, even when I forgive. Mm-hmm. There's a sense of me that wants justice. I want to see it, and maybe I want to take uh, a part of it, mm-hmm. you know, take a hand in it. And who and said so, that you couldn't have both of them? Who said you couldn't have justice and forgiveness? Well, you can, but uh, it might, you know, I think just when you forgive, you know, it's like you said before, when you forgive, you let go, mm-hmm. and you're done with it. You know, mm-hmm. once, like, if I forgive somebody, I'm not going to go back and start, you know, the turmoil all over again, mm-hmm. because that's going to mean engaging the enemy and taking on some of their stuff mm-hmm. and trying to undo it and figure it out and go back with something else. So you're once you're back in that circle, you have to pull back out. There's something that's got to take you back out. Forgiveness is one of those things, letting go. And once you let go, why would you want to go back into the turmoil? So mm-hmm. um, I'm thinking justice is a hard is a hard job too, whether you do it here or whether you do it on the other side. And so what I've what I've more or less concluded is that when I get to the other side, I'm going to let God show me what he wants me to do for the rest of my, you know, maybe there'll be a section where I do some justice, or maybe there's a section where he'll say, you know, you did enough, let somebody else do it for a while, you know. So, I mean, I don't know, I don't know what the decision will be at that time, but I'm going to leave it up to God to show me. That's can, all I can know Can I right say now. something also? You you maybe this is just my opinion that maybe it's not in your hands to divvy out justice. That it's what? That it's not in your hands to divvy out the justice. I just said that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, right. Yeah. That's what I'm. Well, I agree. I with. mean, I say there's several. Like yeah. I said, there's several possibilities, and I can go down mm-hmm. all the different probable futures of each one. And I can see how these would evolve, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And how they would evolve me staying close to the earth mm-hmm. or letting it go and, and just, right. you know, and go just back. And just as mine, said the Lord. 
Vengeance is mine. I know. Mm-hmm. And may you know, so if God uses everyone, and I know that's hard to hear, you know, but the decision we have to make that decision now, because um, when once we make the decision that we follow Him, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Mm-hmm. I don't remember where that Romans or Ephesians or somewhere like that, but that's what Paul mm-hmm. wrote. Um, and so, once we're present with the Lord, mm-hmm. He can make us perfect. There's no way I can be perfect in this world. I know that. I, you know, I keep working on it, but we can get sanctified in a way that mm-hmm. it may take. It's taken me a long time. I think that's why He started with me very early mm-hmm. in life, because I'm I'm still working on it. And I'm still not there. Mm-hmm. But once mm-hmm. we die and we're present with the Lord. And we are changed. Mm-hmm. He's the one who does it changing, not us. Mm-hmm. And that's how I'm going to be able to live in eternity with the God of heaven mm-hmm. and the universe who is perfect and does not look on evil. Mm-hmm. Because I've still got stuff in me that needs to, needs to be disappear. Mm-hmm. I know that. And I mm-hmm. thought, how can I spend eternity mm-hmm. praising God and doing what he wants me to do mm-hmm. in, uh, with the faults I have now? Right. And he's going to change all that. And if mm-hmm. you finish reading Revelation, <laughs> since uh, uh, we talked about that earlier, there is that point. I, okay, the people who do believe in the pre-millennial, you know, the rapture, is that all of the believers at one particular time in history will be taken out of this world mm-hmm. to be with him, that there will be this call mm-hmm. to go. Nobody will hear it but us. We will go with him. And then when it comes time, at the end of that thousand years, that we all come back. <laughs> we come back, and that's when your justice and um, judgment and victory will come. And it's going to be, um, let's see, it tells when, when John was given that troll and he saw it, it, I think it was tasting good in his mouth, but it was, it was sour in his stomach. You do hate to see the end of the world, but we will see that, and we will be part of his army, coming back mm-hmm. with his ankle, and that's, that's the way it's, um, that's what I believe, and I believe, I'm a pre-millennialist, you know, mm-hmm. that, um, uh, I think that will happen, so that's when we will see justice, we will see it, just hang on, because God's in charge, he planned the whole thing, he knew it was going to happen, that's why he knew he was going to have to send Jesus, and, um, we just got to go by the first and the last. That's what he is, the first and the last. He was there in the beginning. He's going to be there at the end. And I want to be ready. I want him to know I'm ready. Right. I was going to um, share something, ladies. About, I think it was about two years ago. I know it was in April. I never forget that it was in April um, 2013. I was laying in my bed about 2 o'clock in the morning, and I heard, I, you know, and I don't know, so I was shot in the back of my head. I don't know if it was like a, it, I think they put like a poison, one of those, something, I was poisoned. Yeah. And with one of those, um, you know, um, and I heard the person give me a V2K, and they called me a black N-word. 
Yeah. You know, I'm laying in my bed, and um, so for months, you know, I wasn't feeling well. I, I, I actually stay. I remember staying in bed uh, for a couple of days, and I was just in so much pain. I didn't know what was going on, and um, you know, um, feeling, and I really felt like I was dying. And um, and she, you know, I was really sick. My stomach was getting real big. And um, and I walked out. I have actually pictures just of that, and I looked, I literally looked like I was dying. And your body knows when you're dying, also. And I remember, and I'm sharing this with you, know, with you guys. Feel like Lord, forgive them, because they know what, not what they do. And I remember saying that, and this is true. And um, and I said, well, Lord, if you're ready for me, I'm, I'm, I hope I did my work. I hope I, you know, when you open the book, then I'm in there. And um, after that, I had no fear of death, you know, because you know, you know, when you're not gonna, you're gonna not gonna be here. And I've had that experience before. And I remember September of that year. Whatever they, the, I don't know how it came out of me, the poison or whatever they, nano chip or whatever was in me, something came out of me. I started back school, and um, I felt something the night before. That was in September of 2013. And then I started feeling better, like some of the poison, whatever they had in me, you know, came out of me. And I, ever since then, I understood for me, that forgiveness is such a big part of it, and 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 I was able to free myself from whatever was happening to me, and trying to understand that they know not what they do, and that then everybody has to, you know, that I can't judge anybody, and no matter what I do, that this battle is bigger than me, and it belongs to the Lord. And so I've resolved to say, okay, what is the battle that I can fight? What is, you know, because the big one is too big for me. It's too big for me. I'm just a little, little person, and it's too big for me. So what can I control? What can I, the battle, can I victory or battle that I can fight? Is maybe just one, you know, one minute at a time, one day at a time, and that's how I think that I've been able to these last four four years not lose my mind, try to learn some techniques to stay centered and you know keep me in peace, and um, and when my day come, I'm you know I'm, I'm gonna let some the Lord fight some battles, those battles, because I can't fight them by myself. And then I don't have to worry about the other things, about the other people and the people I need to forgive, the people I don't forgive, the vengeance I want to take out. I have no vengeance in my heart towards anyone. I mean, I don't even know who these people are. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I, I have no vengeance in my heart, and I, and I really mean that from the bottom of my heart, and God knows my heart. I just want to live a life that has blessed other people. I've lived 51 years, and even as a child. I just believe that that's what we're here for, you know. Uh-huh. And um, 
and I've always felt that way. But I have, I mean, and I pray, and I pray. You know, even I say a prayer for the people who are, you know, we all, I was tortured last night, even after I got off the phone call. Maybe they wanted to make a point. We had such a good call. But I got up in the morning just feeling so blessed from, you know, from the phone call we had the other night. It didn't even matter, you know. My spirit was so good. I was so centered. But in terms of the, I'm like, I, you know, they, I, if I if I let, let that vengeance and hate and spirit get in my heart for for what's happening to me, I feel like they got the like like they won, you know. I feel like they that they that they got me, and I I can't give them that. I I won't give them that. You know, Myron Maid said something that he he did a quote. That um, and he actually misquoted it. The quote he said he didn't want his death to be in vain. That's not what the song says. I don't want my living to be no. in vain. Yeah. Not my death, my living. That young man got it wrong. Yeah, he got it wrong. I wish he would have came to the call because I would have told him. It's not your death, it's your living. It's the getting up every day, Sue, despite your pain. I remember talking to you, and you got back up like David. You got back up, and they're mad at you because you got back up. You came back on the call Say, said, uh-uh, it's your living. You didn't give up, Sue. You didn't give up. That's what they want you to do. They don't want... Our living, it's in the living. It's not in the death, it's in the living. We know that we're living our life right, that the Lord's going to take care of us, but it's in the living every day. I get up, I face my children every day, you know, I put my makeup on. I say, okay, this morning I said my pledge, and I said, oh, look at these little kids. I said, it's in the living. Yeah. No, it's so, my you're going to change that pledge <laughs> after you talk to <laughs> Well, we have the Black National Anthem also. <laughs> you do? Yeah. Uh, how's black... that go? Uh, oh, God, I don't remember the words, all of the oh. words right now. My brain is a time of this. Yeah, because uh... we, we spent some time on that on Tuesday. We're like, really? You know? And... Yeah, we did. We did. And, uh, you know, with. I teach six, but I just, you know, and I thank you guys for listening to me. Thank you for that, Sue and Lonnie, because I, I just, you know, I think, I, you know, the gentleman that was on the other day, I heard his passion, but it's like, mm-mm. And I heard Lonnie trying to talk, and you, can, you can't talk to a stone heart. You know that, Lonnie. Somebody got a heart, a heart, a heart, and a heart, you know. So, um, but it's the living. I'm like, when I, oh, I'm like, no, it's how we live our life. Our life speaks for us, you know. So, um, that's why with the psyops thing that they tried to, that they're doing on me, it's kind of not working. Maybe it's working on other people, but I've lived my life open. I've lived my life the way, you know, without secrets, without, you know, there's nothing, you know. My family, you know, they can do what they want to do. I've built positive, strong relationships with people, and I live my life with integrity. So, you know, and with character, servicing the children that I've worked with for almost 30-something years, 
like my you know community. So you can use as much psyops and cryops and black ops all you want, you know. Um, and I'm also, and I know Lonnie is going to be happy with this. I'm going to be getting my evangelist. Um, oh. Yes, I'm going to be an evangelist in a couple of months. Wonderful. So, mm-hmm, that's something that's, that's my ministry. So, I, ma'am. I said, good for you. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start on Monday my classes. So I'm going into ministry, and um, you know, and um, the Lord is going to use me that way. Sure, He will. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's that's just where I'm at, ladies, right now. So I can, um, you know, I I um the forgiveness. Well, the, I I don't want to have when I meet my 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 Lord. I don't want Him to say, open the book and say. Mm. You know, you don't have forgiveness in your heart, you know, because sin is sin. You know, sin is sin. And um, that, that, that's, that's a, you know, because I've, I've been stubborn at times, too. You know what I mean? I'm a little stubborn. I can have my times when I'm stubborn. But I know after reading Matthew 8 what being humble really is, you have to take the pride and the arrogance away, you know. Uh, you know, we're dealing with spirits like that. You know what we're dealing with? We're dealing with some, you know, some spirits that are, uh, want to um, take us away from our center, our center. So, um, you know, they, use, they tried using the insults on me, too. Hmm. It almost, I'm overweight, and uh-huh. I can't, you know, when you mention that, I thought, now, what was that word they used? And I can't even remember what it was. It's not even in my head anymore. But, mm-hmm. you know, we just have, that kind of stuff is so low and childlike. Oh, that, oh. You know, that's, the, that's the kind of thing that shouldn't bother us at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but guess what? You know what, though? I knew when even when the person, I'm like, I guess they don't know who that. I, I don't listen to those. I uh-huh. mean, they... I don't know. They they do. I don't know. Maybe they say that. You know, it ain't gonna work with her. I don't know what they say. I don't know. It's. I mean, I'm 51 years old. I know who I am, and I'm a child of God. What you say has nothing to do with me. Right. Exactly. And I mean, I'm not gonna push put the. I mean, in my mind, that's what I'm saying. So you can say what you want to say. You don't love me. You don't. I don't even know who you are. So mm-hmm. you know when the you know but that person harmed me. You know. Not with just with his words, but with he literally shot me in the head, you know, with poison. And um, and I'm like, I mean, you know, and I don't even know you, so what your words can't harm me. <laughs> I don't know you. <laughs> so, um, you know, when people come on and they say racist terms or they say things, I don't take it personal. It's not against me. That's That reflects your heart, you know. Coming from them, not you. That's right. Yeah, oh yeah, and that's what that's 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 not you know because that's the kind of bait us. You don't forget they got they're gonna say things to bait us. You know what I mean? They they yeah. you know they'll say things so they'll sit put the weight on us. You know, look, I got a few pounds to lose too, Lonnie. But so, <laughs> hey, I am voluptuously sexy. Well, first thing I know is this kid. I know way back, and 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 I. I did gain weight during those eight years, I'm sure. But I, there was something that was said there, and I thought, you know, 
I should have said, yeah, and I enjoyed every minute of it, too. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Denying myself that sort of thing if it's uh if it helps me out. So mm-hmm. anyway, those insults are things that are just let them fly by, you know. That's oh, that. I think you you have so much. Um, I believe that it's going to contribute to this evangelism thing because just think of all that you're learning right now. You know, so God God's going to use you. I can I'm sure of that. Thank you, thank you. I just wanted to share that with you. I know you will understand. My journey, and I know you heard me, and that this is where he's, and I thank you, Karen, for allowing us. This is where God has led me to my activism. So my mm-hmm. activism may not be, look like that. It may look the way that God has it planned for me. Yeah. You know, because a lot of targeted individuals, we're being attacked on a spirit. This is a spiritual warfare and it's attacking us on so many levels. Now, everyone, Lana, and I, and I love you for this. We, you allow people to to, to reach their, their whatever their God is. I, this is me talking here. People have a right to whatever their personal relationship with is, but part of this evilness is to just just to destroy everything that makes us God-like child. I mean. Um, you know, our spirituality and to take us away from it. You know, Anita? Yes. Do you remember what Brian said? He said they try to make good people awful, ugly people. Yeah. And that's what they're doing with those of you being hurt the worst. You're really nice people and they're trying to make you angry and ugly. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we it can... happens if you're not aware of it. You know, you can slip into it so easy. Karen, and you talk about that all the time, Karen, and I think that that's where we have, that's where the forgiveness comes into play, that I forgive you enough that I don't want to be like you. (laughs) (laughs) I need to let you leave my space, you know. And um, and that's, believe me, that was a maturity growth for me. In so many levels, but when I read about what forgiveness is and why we need to do it and how it frees you from being the victim, um, continual victim. I've read some women who were raped by people. and You know, you read different stories and why they need. Some people wrote letters because a person who had victimized them had died, and they wrote letters saying they forgive them. And after they wrote those letters, they were done with it. They were, you know, they were free from that spirit. Um, I just thought that was fascinating, you know. It is, it is, because people, this is Brian in Central America. Hi, Hi Brian. Um, if, uh, people don't know this. A lot of Christians don't even know it. But there are two unforgivable sins, not one unforgivable sin. People think blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is the only unforgivable sin. They're wrong. They don't know the Bible. There are two unforgivable sins, and the second unforgivable sin is unforgiveness. Jesus said, if you will not forgive your brother his sins, then your Father in heaven will not forgive you of your sins. So even a born-again Christian can go straight to hell. Uh, even a person who's saved can lose their, their salvation and go straight to hell because the moment you refuse to forgive, God cuts you off. That's it. So the, the, unforgivable, the second unforgivable sin is, is unforgiveness. 
Well, maybe you don't have to forgive while you're being tortured, but maybe when you get to the pearly gates, you can say, all right, I forgive all those guys, I'm leaving, you know, and then you're done. Now, what must be done, what must be done, must be done in the land of the living. Listen, they're blowing out my cardiovascular system and my hearing. I'm dying. Slowly, my cardiovascular system is failing. Um, but I don't, I don't, you know, I don't walk around with a compulsive inner rage. If I walk around with a compulsive inner rage, then I would be the one. It would, I'd just be hurting myself because I'd go to hell with them, you know. I forgive them. I move on. I, I, you know, I try the best to, that I can do to cope. But the problem is forgiveness is not for their benefit. It's for your benefit. You know, you're the only, you know, you're locked inside a prison of bitterness and, and uh, resentment and unforgiveness, and the only person who has the key is you. That's right. And, you know, this, this technology feeds off hate. It feeds off uh, raw emotion, lust, uh, you know, fear, but also hate. Um, but the technology uh, is designed to cause you, these are thought-triggered attacks, and they happen at the speed of light. Today it happened to me. I was thinking about somebody, and suddenly I had this compulsive inner rage of just uh, intense anger. I wanted to kill him for a second, you know. That's how angry I was. Now I wouldn't have done that. But the point is, that, that, was, a, that was a remote neural attack. That was a speed of light thought-triggered attack. Um, and that, so the, the technology feeds off that raw emotion. And one of the things it feeds off of is, is hatred and, and, and resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness. That's what they use to manipulate you with. So the, the sooner you forgive, the better for you. Hello? Yeah. Well, listen. So, so remember, they're attacking you during thought composition. So today, this, this afternoon, I was laying on my bed because I'm injured. I got injuries from an accident. Uh, I was laying on my bed, and I suddenly got this thought. Well, that may have been a remote neural attack, too. They may have been injecting the thought. Uh, back into my uh, you know, my uh, uh, memory, short-term active memory, and whether or not whether it was mine or not, I think it was it was probably theirs because of the speed of light attack. It happened right as I thought of it. It was a thought-triggered attack, so they injected that thought, and then as soon as they injected that thought, they followed that with an impulse injection of intense rage and anger, and I was literally for a few seconds I was burning, literally burning with a white-hot rage. That was a remote neural attack. The technology feeds these thought-triggered attacks happen at the speed of light, and the technology feeds off raw emotion. Remember, they're seeking to, to replicate and duplicate three things, will, intellect, and emotion. So you need to forgive. You need to uh, not hold on to any bitterness. And just uh, like I said so many times, let this world go. You have no hope other than Jesus. You know, that, he, was, he was your only hope before you were targeted. He's your own, certainly your only hope now. Get right with God and, and let this world go. That's let true, but at the same time, say, say you were on, in the jungle in Vietnam and you want to forgive the people who are shooting through the bushes, but at the same time you have to protect yourself. That's using good judgment too on the earth plane. Because while there's right. spiritual warfare going on right now, we still have to be alert. We still have to be, you know, <laughs> good judgment and protect ourselves and our loved ones. And, you know, you can be forgiving of it going, well, they don't know what they do, you know. Uh, at the same time, you, you can't just surrender. I mean, some people say they just want to surrender and give up. Well, 
I'm not of don't. that. I'm not of that type because mm-hmm. they, no. you know. And I have been a very peaceful person my whole life as a healer, as a counselor. Um, but in this situation, mm-hmm. I have to go from being a spiritual healer to being a spiritual warrior. And it wasn't my first choice, but it's something that I have to do. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I won't get through anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, Joseph, the Bible talks about this. The Bible talks about people wonder if, if, if I, it, some people will say, I, I forgive, but I don't forget. Well, um, yes and no. Uh, people think, is it possible to forgive a person and not be able to forget what they've done? answer is yes. The Bible talks about it. Joseph, who was sold by his brothers into slavery yeah. and then sold again as a slave and then thrown in prison, all unjustly. You know, he didn't do anything wrong. Um, he, he named his firstborn son Manasseh and his secondborn son Ephraim. Well, Manasseh, he named him Manasseh because the Hebrew word Manasseh means God has caused me to forget. God has caused me to forget what my brothers did to me. Now, had he forgotten it? No. Otherwise, he would never have named his child Manasseh. He had forgiven, but he had not forgotten. And we know that from the story of Joseph, because when his brothers came, you know, he dealt with them uh, harshly at first. But the point is, you know, Joseph named his firstborn son Manasseh. God has caused me to forget. And what he was saying was, I, I, you know, I forgive you, but I, you know, I can't forget what you've done to me because it was so terrible. And so people often ask, well, if someone has been, is it possible to forget a terrible wrong? You know, like it's happening, like it's happening to us. Uh, and, and, and the answer is no, it is not possible. It is not possible to forget uh, being raped or, or being uh, seriously assaulted or having a loved one murdered, et cetera. These things are terrible. Um, but it is possible to forgive. You must forgive. So there's a difference between forgetting and forgiving. The Bible makes clear it's not possible to forget a terrible wrong but it is possible to forgive one, and you must forgive, because if you don't, you're going to, you know, you can carry a King James Bible, sing Amazing Grace, and go straight to hell, and you most certainly will. And I think also uh, forgiveness does not, if I forgive someone, I'm going to go back to the analogy that Sue said, does that mean you make you weak? It you don't have to let them manipulate you. Oh, right, you right, but it does not yeah. make you weak. Um, if I, you're in a scenario where if you're in a war, you're facing someone, and you're in a war with someone, and you both have guns in your hand, you're in the midst of a battle. You know what I mean? You're in the midst of a battle. You're fighting for your life, and the other person's on the other end is fighting for their life. Um, that is what it is. But I guess on that... Well, for, go ahead, forgiveness, forgiveness demands a change. Oh, to forgive to forgive another person without demanding a change in their conduct is to make the grace of God an accomplice to evil. It's a very serious matter with God. If you for, you know when you forgive a person, you have a right to demand that they change, because if you don't and you still forgive them, you have made the grace of God an accomplice to evil. Mm-hmm. This, is oh, what wow. the Bible makes, this is what the Bible makes very clear. When Jesus caught the woman, when they brought the woman caught in adultery to Jesus, and they were going to stone her. And he stared them down, and they all left one by one. And it was just him and the woman. He told her, he said, woman, woman, where are your accusers? And she said, they've gone. And he said, well, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. He told her, go and change. Right. He forgave her, and then he demanded a change in her conduct. Mm-hmm. So forgiveness demands a change. If your husband's continually cheating on you, 
you know, you're not required to keep forgiving each time. You, you can, you can, you know, put his bags on the on the uh, porch and say, "Hit the road, Jack." You know, so, forgiveness uh, of uh, forgiving another person at the same time, you have a right to say, "I demand that you change." If they're engaged in pornography on the on the internet that's destroying your marriage, or they're engaged in homosexual conduct, or they're engaged in lying, cheating, or stealing, and they refuse to change after you've forgiven them. You have every right to walk away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Every right. So forgiveness demands a change. To forgive someone without demanding a change in their conduct is to make the grace of God an accomplice to evil. Forgiving and forgetting are two different things. It's not possible to forget a terrible wrong, but it is possible to forgive one. You must forgive. Because if you don't forgive another, God will not forgive you. He'll stop forgiving you, which means you're on your way to hell. And, and and the Christian, the born-again Christian, will have it far worse in hell than someone else who didn't know God. Uh, Hitler will have it better on Judgment Day than the child of God who splashed through the blood of Jesus. So, you know, you want to forgive. You need to just, this technology feeds off raw emotion. It feeds off hate and anger. So, you know, it feeds off unforgiveness. That's how it, that's how it constantly provokes you. That's how it manipulates you. Deception and manipulation, that's what, it's, that's what it uses. So don't allow that to happen. Okay. Get right, get right with God. I agree with what you say about not forgetting because I think that's where the miracle comes. God helps you, and when he helps you do it, you can forgive. And without forgetting, the example I've always used is that if you walk down the street and somebody jumps out at you and hits you in the face every time you pass the corner, then you should avoid that corner or duck every time you go by there. You should not forget. But forgiveness is important. Forgive that person every time Jesus said, um, he told Peter, I think it was, somebody asked him, how many times, Lord, seven times? He said, seven times seven, 70 times seven. That's 490. Now, I've had a lot well, that's, more... That's a Semitic. That's a Semitic that's idiom. That's days and uh, 490 days. I think, well, I'm way beyond that. <laughs> so I keep forgetting, uh, forgiving like that. But I'm not sure that it's up to us to say someone's straight headed straight for hell, because that's not something that um, I believe that that's that's up to God. There's something else you said though about Joseph. The, the line I love from Joseph's um, story is that when his brothers uh, came, they didn't know him. And his brothers were afraid he was going to take it out of them. He said, no, God meant it. You meant it for evil. God meant it for good. So God can allow bad things to happen to good people. If it had not been. If it had not been. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're talking on a delayed carryover. So we're stepping on each other. I'm not interrupting you. We're talking on a delayed carryover. Okay. I was just going to say, when we don't understand why we're hurting, then we're just not seeing the top of the tapestry. The tapestry is being woven, and it's a beautiful tapestry. We're going to see when we do spend eternity with God. But right now, we're just one of the threads moving through it, and he's using us. And uh, I found that scripture I want, I want you to look up. Uh, Sky, especially, because you, know you know the Old Testament in the Hebrew, uh, but it's in Esther 14, uh, verse, let's go, wait, Esther 4, verse 14 where he says maybe that uh, you have been placed here at this particular time in history, in so many words, because God willed it and uh, you have your place. 
I believe each one is a catch. Finish, finish the verse. Finish the verse. Okay, wait a minute. Very, I don't have the light on. Very, because I don't you, light if you refuse to do anything, salvation may come from another, but you and your household will be cut off. That's what that's the verse you're referring to. Okay. Um, that's Mordecai uh, speaking to us. Um, that's very important. Uh, very good verse to, to mention. It, David Jeremiah was talking about this morning. I've got it right here. It says, for if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, and you and your father's house will perish. And you yeah. who know whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this. We haven't attained royalty. Right. We've attained suffering. But he's every me, single person in third place. And we're there. <laughs> Go ahead. Let me, let me uh, say something about this. Okay. Um, all right. Okay, forgiveness doesn't mean you have to let a person manipulate you, all right? Just because you you forgive them does not mean you have to let them manipulate you because they'll remind you over and over that I've forgotten, I've forgotten. That's not forgiveness, okay? Reminding every someone, every, someone every 30 days that you've forgotten, that's not forgiveness. So there's a difference between forgetting and, and forgiveness. But understand, I mean, the story of Joseph that you're referring to, um, it's, the, it's the entire outline of, of all... Uh, it's an amalgamation of the entire Old Testament and New Testament, of the entire Bible. Joseph had, uh, was the favorite of his father. Uh, Jesus was the favorite of his father. Joseph had a robe of many, uh, of many colors. Jesus had a beautiful robe. Uh, and jo- Joseph was, sold, was rejected by his brethren. Jesus was rejected by his brethren. Uh, Joseph was sold for the price of a slave, 30 pieces of silver. Jesus was sold for the price of a slave, 30 pieces of silver. Um, Joseph uh, was thrown into the pit. Um, and then one day he rose to the right hand of the most powerful person in the world. Jesus was thrown in the pit of death. And then one day he rose to the most you know, uh, powerful, he rose to the right hand of God. The story just goes on and on and on. Um, but if you pay close attention, the secrets there open up uh, why it's so important to forgive. It's called the Joseph Code, and it can't be seen outside of without spiritual eyes. Satan can't read it. He has to have other people to explain it to him. For example, uh, three times that his Jewish brothers entered the land to, to, to present themselves before Joseph. Three different times they, they came to present themselves before Joseph, his brothers. And then on the third time, Joseph revealed himself to them. Well, the Jews entered the promised land of Joshua the first time. They entered the promised land under Ezra and Nehemiah the second time when they left Babylon and Persia. And the third time they entered the promised land in 1948 and, and, and 1967. So you know, that's the third time that they came into the land. And guess what? Jesus is about to reveal himself. Just like Joseph revealed himself to his Jewish brothers when they, you know, the third time they came in. Pharaoh called Joseph uh, Zephnaphaniah. Well, Zaphnaphania means revealer of secrets. See, Satan cannot understand this. He has to have people to, to explain it to him because he, he doesn't have the eyes to see it. Zaphnaphania means revealer of secrets. Remember, Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dream. And so Pharaoh said, you're the revealer of secrets. Well, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 20, I believe, that Jesus is coming back with a new name written on his side that no man knows. We know that name. That name is the revealer of secrets. We don't know how it's going to spell out in the, in the Hebrew uh, because, because Joseph and Jesus, Jesus both come from the same Hebrew word, but they're different variations of that word. Well, well, 
we don't know how that name is going to spell out in Hebrew, but we know his name. We know Jesus' new name, and it will be the revealer of secrets. And the Bible says that, you know, what you shout on the housetop, what you say in the, in, in, the, in the closet will be shouted on the housetop. He'll reveal all the secrets, and there's so many verses about that. But there, there's a code there. There's a hidden code um, that, uh, you know, these people are not Christians. Can you hear me? Yeah. These people, are, these people don't fear God because they don't believe in God. To them, God is a myth. He's a fairy tale. Um, but one thing that they have, a, one thing that they target you consistently with is your faith. Your, your religious belief system is a favorite target of theirs. Okay, to see if they can... Now, the reason they target a person's faith with this mind control technology, remember, it's deception and manipulation. That's what they use. The reason they target your faith is because they want to see how much you can maintain as truth. When faced with you, that, that, that's why they use these haunted houses. That's why they use uh, people, uh, make people believe that they're possessed. That's why they, they start making people see ghosts in the house and moving objects on their own. Well, those objects aren't moving on their own. They're moving by way of, call, by, by use of energy. It's called synthetic telekinesis. They can move objects around in your house with streams of energy. Um, but the, the idea is to so traumatize the victim that they believe that they are possessed or are, their, their house is haunted, etc. They're trying to determine what you can maintain as truth. So they will always target your faith to try to make you believe God is speaking to you. Okay? Or they'll try to make you believe you know, this, that God wants this to happen to you. Remember, remember the story of Job? They want you to think you're Job. They want you to think this is, this is meant for you to happen to you. They want to corrupt your faith in your religious belief system. Because that's a very important part of mind control technology, to make the victim believe that the God of their choice is, is speaking to them, either, through, either audibly, voice to skull, synthetic telepathy, or through other people. Or they want the, the, the person to believe that, that, that they're being haunted. So if you're a Muslim, it won't be demons. It'll be uh, uh, jinn. Jinn is the name of, of Muslim demons. If you're a Christian, it'll be demons. If you're a Buddhist, it'll be you know the mad the mad god the deities, you know the Hindus. You'll be you'll be the the the, you know, the impersonal Brahman. He, he's mad with you. So that's what they do. they use your religious system, or your religious beliefs against you to try to corrupt them, to see what they to see how much you can maintain is true. So remember that. You know what? It's interesting that the synchronicity of our conversations before you got on, Brian was that um, I was saying everything is already known in God's eyes. All their secrets, everything they, all the shameful, horrible things they're doing in private are already visible. And so, you know, it, it makes it really clear to me that not only are we linked, you know, by resonance and by spiritual faith, but those of us who are on this call right now are called to be here to hear those words again because, all the horrible things that we've been going through, all the sh- all the shameful things that these perpetrators commit, all the crimes that they think are hidden are already known. Everything is already known by God. And so, um, you know, it's just reiterating that, you know, we were already linked up by mind before we got on this call so we could say it. And so it's interesting that it's coming out like that. It seems like synchronicity, but I think it's a lot more connected than that. You're right, he's looking. When I used to substitute, if I didn't, um, you know, if I was, especially if I was in a class um, 
more often than just one day. I would put a word on the on the board and try to talk to them about it. One of my favorite words to put on the older students was integrity. And to define integrity, I would explain that uh, it's what you do when you think nobody else is looking. But then um, it w we need to know that God, God's looking whether these people think he's looking or not. He's right there. They don't have to believe in him, uh, but he's, he's going to be there anyway. <laughs> yeah. well, let, me, let, me explain. let me explain how the use of technology to censor your ability to practice your faith. Okay, because, because remember, the, uh, it's not just physical trauma. There has to be a severe, brutal psychological trauma in order for disassociation to take place. Remember, they're trying to force you to disassociate from reality. They're trying to create artificial multiple personality disorder by inflicting extreme trauma upon you over a long period of time. Once they're able to determine that you know, you, you have, you have, your core personality has broken, you have snapped under the extreme trauma, then they'll move in and, and they'll begin to try and locate those altered personalities and then they'll wall off those altered personalities with, with trauma so that the, the one alter personality doesn't know the other alter personality. It's called multiple personality disorder. What's happened is your core personality has fractured because of the extreme trauma. The brain seeks to protect itself from extreme trauma by fragmenting. So that's what I mean when I say disassociate from reality. Okay, so that's what they're trying to achieve. And once achieved, it's very, uh, very effective because, you know, the, the, the front person, the, the front personality can be the most wonderful Christian in the world. And then the alter personality, the alter personality can be the most satanic monster imaginable. Okay, so, so, so if you have alter, multiple personality disorder, if, they, if, they, if the technology has worked on you, you're, you, know, you're, you could be the most wonderful Christian on earth. But the other alter personality they're using that they keep bringing up, using trigger words, can be the most satanic serial killer monster imaginable. That's, how, that's what they're trying to achieve with you. And what they do is, well, this is what they do to me. Every time I try to watch or listen and read my Bible, they make me real tired. Uh, and what they're doing is they're trying to censor my ability to, because they're targeting my faith, they're, try, uh, they're trying to censor my ability to do anything that will de-pattern their neuroprogramming. Their neuroprogramming is constantly, I hear the words they're using a lot, demons and devil and God. This is what they did to me, and you, this is very serious. All of you need to listen. Can you hear me? Can, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Yes. This is real serious because it happens to all, uh, most, most all targeted individuals at some time who are mind control victims. They were trying to destroy my faith, and they were using neuroprogramming to do it. One morning, I woke up, but I didn't move. I just kept my eyes closed. Okay, and, and this has happened several times, and I've heard things of what they were doing, but this time I realized they were targeting my faith. What they were doing was... They were, they were using their neuroprogramming to try to destroy my, my relationship with Jesus. Why? They don't care about Jesus. They don't believe in Jesus. They're just trying to destroy my religion, my religious belief system. Because, again, they're trying to see what I can maintain as truth. So I woke up and I laid in bed with my eyes closed early in the morning, and there was this, I was, they were using videos. Videos were running, they were running these videos through my head, and the video was of a bright sun. Uh, think of a disk of light as bright as, as, bright as the sun, Okay. And then that, that sun, that disk of light, was being eclipsed by it was being eclipsed by a disk of darkness, like a lunar eclipse, like a solar eclipse. It was being eclipsed, slowly eclipsed by a by a great disk of darkness. And at the same time, in my in, as I laid there motionless in bed with my eyes closed, 
they were saying these words over and over. They were saying, Jesus is darkness. Jesus is darkness. Jesus is darkness. They were repeating it over and over. It was a, it was a chatterbox. It was, they were trying to destroy my faith. And so uh, they were targeting my, my, my belief system and my faith because they wanted to see if it was possible to, to, to destroy it with this technology. And they were trying to make me turn against God and, my, and Jesus Christ. And so they were running these videos every night in my, in my, in my, as I sleep. They're running these videos over and over. Well, in the daytime, if I get on, uh, online or I, I open my Bible or I try to listen to a sermon, they cause me to be extremely drowsy. And what they're doing is they're trying to modify my active memory, my short-term memory, to prevent the religious content, the Christian content that I'm reading from depatterning, from, from, from uh, breaking up their neuroprogramming because they're targeting my faith every night. So, so they'll, they'll use sensor, they'll censor you using remote neural attacks, and these remote neural attacks are extreme bouts of split-second drowsiness. Now, the reason you're having these extreme bouts of split-second drowsiness is because those remote neural attacks are designed to trick your brain, to modify your active memory. So every time I'd have this split-second, you know, almost, you know, almost just passing out, I couldn't, I couldn't keep my eyelids open. And then a second later, I would snap back to alert. I would be alert again. And every 30 seconds, that was happening. You know, I'd barely be able to keep my eyes open, and then a second later, I'd be alert again. Well, they were, used, they were attacking me with these remote neural attacks of drowsiness every 30 to 45 seconds to stop me from being able to absorb, understand, learn, and memorize the Bible because that, that, that scripture was de-patterning their neural programming. So they'll, they'll use trauma and pain to censor your ability to do anything that interferes with their neuroprogramming. But one of their favorite tactics is dizziness or drowsiness because they're trying to trick your brain to accept their impulse objection. And anything that lowers a person's energy level or vitality makes them more susceptible to, the, to mind control technology. It makes them more susceptible to neuroprogramming. Basically, in, in effect, they become super suggestible. If a person is tortured to near incoherency or they're extremely tired and fatigued and drowsy, they become super suggestible. That's, that's theta state. They're pushing you down into theta state. That's what those remote neural attacks are, split-second theta state attacks, theta waves. Okay, so remember, these attacks happen at speed of light. Right. So they will target I don't want to interrupt you, but I just want to say, before you go on, when they... When they hit you like that, you know some good gospel songs, don't you? Any 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 music works, but gospel Christian music works the best. Um, they, but they just, they destroyed my hearing. They destroyed okay, what, my hearing. Yeah. What I'm saying is, you don't have to hear it. Sing it yourself. That's what I've done in the middle of the night. I'll wake up and I'll start singing a hymn or something that has has meant a great deal to me, and that song will stay with me and. Very often I'll wake up with that same song in my head. And it's when, you know, they'll give you the dreams or whatever they try to do. Uh, just keep that going. And you don't have to, you don't have to be able to hear, uh, you know, what some instrument's playing beautifully. Sing it yourself. doesn't matter how you sound. Well, That's no, what singing, is a, sing, singing is a very important tool. Writing a letter, singing, reading a book, but listening to music works the best. It's Always not technical. I'm not talking about anything technical. I'm talking about a spiritual getting near to God. Because the book of James says, you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. And the first thing we do is start praising him. 
So if you start praising him, he literally, uh, spiritually, literally comes to you. That's what I'm saying. It's a protection. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But okay. I, what, I was, what I was trying to say is it's not just Christians that are targeted. They target Muslims, Buddhists, Hindus. They target atheists. For example, if, you know, if you're an atheist and you don't believe in God, then they, they'll want you to believe that it's aliens. This is aliens because the technology is just too sophisticated to be from Earth. So it's aliens that are attacking you. And, of course, the atheist will walk out of his house and he'll see a UFO hovering over his house. Well, it's not a UFO that's hovering over his house. It's a hologram. Yeah, or you know, it's not it's not it's not aliens breaking into his home every night. Those are those memories are placed into his brain by the the uh, memory management remote, remote neural uh, programming, neural programming. So so every night the atheist will go to sleep and he'll have these vivid dreams, dream modulation, post hypnotic suggestions, neuro linguistic programming, etc. etc. Uh, of aliens doing things to him or breaking into his home. And then, of course, he, he sees an alien in his backyard. That's a hologram. That's not a real alien. Okay? So, so this, it, just, it depends on your belief system. If you're Hindu, then, you know, the, the, it's the Brahmin. If, you, if you're Muslim, then it's Allah. If you're Buddhist, then it's Buddha. If you're Christian, then it's Jesus and God. They want you to, to make you believe. It's, for them, they don't believe in any of that. If they did, they wouldn't be killing people, murdering people, and torturing people. For them, it's all about training, research, and development. See if we can manipulate this person's belief system. See if we can destroy this person's faith using our mind control technologies for the purpose of training, research, and development. Remember the Muslims in, in, the, in the first Iraq war? They came out with their hands raised by the thousands with their, with their weapons dismantled. They were asked by the press uh, later, uh, months or years later, we, uh, a few months later, they were asked, why, why did so many of you surrender with your weapons dismantled? And they said, well, this is back in 1991, okay? They could do this in 1991. They said, well, Allah told us to. Allah told us to surrender and, and dismantle our weapons. That wasn't Allah. That was the, the CIA Department of Defense using mind-controlled technologies to manipulate the belief system of the Muslims. That's interesting. So, yeah, that was doable. Back in 1991, they were doing it. Yeah. Just, just Google it. Well, look just how they it. can win wars like that, huh? Oh, it's what this is. It's neuro warfare. That's what's going on. Neuro warfare. People don't understand that. This is a weapon system. This is not. What do you think the Ukraine was? What do you think Arab Spring was? What do you think? Uh, you know, all they need to do is target certain segments of a population. They don't have to target everybody. They just target certain certain segments of a population, and they get that population all riled up and angry with this technology. And they turn that population, they use that population as a weapon against the government. So any, any government in, in, in the world that's, that's hostile to American hegemony, to American power, well, the CIA and the Department of Defense will just use this technology to manipulate the population against this government to overthrow that government. This is a weapon system. It's called neuro-warfare. The Russians are using it. The, the Europeans are using it. The Americans are using it. Chinese, even North Korea to some extent. But nobody has perfected it, and that's why you're being used. You're being used to perfect this technology. But remember, for them, it's all about training, research, and development. Okay? It's, now, now that, this, this works very well on people that don't realize they're targeted. Can you hear me? Am I coming through okay? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and take if a look at all you don't realize you're targeted with this technology. Take a look at all the world leaders that got sick and died within about a one-year period after Obama came in. It was like Kim Jong-il, 
uh, Castro, uh, Qaddafi, oh, Bin Laden. Yeah. A whole bunch of them died or got really, really sick. Like oh, very, very Castro. quickly. They killed Castro. Everybody knows that. That's why Castro uh-huh. wouldn't go back. That's why not Castro. I'm sorry. Uh, 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 the Venezuelan uh, Hugo Chavez. They, they. That's why Chavez wouldn't go to the to the states for medical care. That's why he went to Cuba because he knew that it was the Americans that had hit him with a with a directed energy causing him cancer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was absolutely a CIA attack. I mean, but it was all uh, like within a year. They took out a whole bunch of different leaders, that, you know, and um, they, this one had a heart condition, this one had cancer, I mean, just different things. Um, and then, you know, you can see it also in some of the presidential candidates, like John Edwards was running for president, then suddenly his wife got cancer. Um, John Kerry was running for president, then his wife got seizures, um, you know, just to slow people down from getting to where they wanted to be. Well, the, the real danger is, is with this neural warfare technology is for people who don't realize they're targeted, okay? Because if you don't yeah, well, realize you're And that can include you, senators who don't want to believe what we're talking about. Well, they're not going to target people with uh, – they'll target anybody, but they're not going to target people with, with, with you know, the full spectrum of this technology who are, who are public figures, who, are, who have credibility. Because that, that 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 exposes them. They don't target people that have credibility unless they're really, you know, they're really a bad person or something. Unless or you really, really want to keep them out of the White House, for instance. Right. But, but here's the point I'm trying to make. Here's the point I'm trying to say. If you start hearing sounds and voices, okay, and and you start and they start forcing into your perception thoughts and emotions and memories, etc. And you don't realize you're being targeted with this technology. It can be horrifying. Think about it. You know, a lot of these haunted oh, yeah. houses, demons, oh, yeah. demons don't haunt houses. Demons haunt people. These haunted houses that you're seeing, these, those are all CIA projects. Hmm. There was a, uh, um, a mainstream, uh, Fox News and, and CNN all reported it. They actually had video of a ghost in uh, a British castle. And suddenly the door opened. And there was this man dressed in, in, in ancient, uh, in ancient uh, clothing, in, in, medie- in medieval garb. He was wearing a robe with a medallion around his neck or something. I, I saw the video. Uh, there's a ghost in, in Buckingham Palace or whatever palace it was. And here's the video. And they showed this doors opening and this, this figure opening the doors and then disappearing. Ghosts don't need – demons don't need to open doors. They don't have to open doors to travel through. They can just travel right through doors. That was that was the CIA, that was the GHSQ, that was MI5, MI6, military intelligence, using these, these stories on the public to try and determine what populations and what individuals can maintain as truth. That was yeah, that's what holograms was don't need to open doors either. Holograms can go through doors. So right. Exactly. Well, but yeah, but they want they want the effects. See, they want they want what they want is they want they want, they want to scare the people. people. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Well, or. Or, or, you know, whether it scared them or it didn't, to try and convince them that, you know, this was God or angels or demons or devils or aliens that were trying to speak to them, okay? Uh, and so, you know, th- this this technology, if, they, if people don't realize they're being targeted with this technology, it is very believable. This is called biocommunications technology. If they don't realize they're being targeted with this technology because they don't know it exists, it is very believable and very horrifying for them. And that's the goal, to so traumatize the conversation people. last night where there's a lot of 
younger people in their 20s getting B2K and going for medical help and getting diagnosed. They're very young, you know. They're they're in their 20s. They're just getting out of college, and they're getting V2K, and they're getting on all this heavy medicine. And there was a few of them on last night's call and uh, trying to discuss, you know, how long is this going to be? I mean, they were new to it. I think they were new to the calls, and we are trying to explain to them that, you know, this is technology, and medicine isn't going to change that for you. You have to start no. learning about the technology. But, you know, the, what's you heartbreaking to me is that, Okay, we know about the technology, Brian, but what can we do for the new people who are, I mean, they don't even have a chance to have a career. Most of us have been targeted after our careers came and went, bought houses and sold them. Some of them are getting started, I mean, really, really young, and they don't even have a chance to have a life. You know, that's what's really sad about it to me. We, we, you know, the people on these calls, we know a lot about the technology. But how do you get to those people who are getting hospitalized against their will and getting diagnosed against their will or getting seizures or whatever, you know? How do you get to them? How do you let them know? Because uh, you're preaching to the people who already know about this stuff. hear me? I think we lost Brian. I don't know. We put somebody to sleep. Or he's breathing. Hey, Brian? I got cut off twice tonight. But, um... Karen, okay, the phone just put in the slate. That was just too close. Hello. Well, is everyone done talking? Is everyone talked out? No, we're waiting for this breather to stop. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me help you with that. Okay. Oh. Uh, somebody maybe fell asleep. Is that better? No. It's about that same time Brian dropped off. Is he still about on? About now. Is it better? Okay, somebody fell asleep. Okay. Thanks. Yeah, I was thinking to myself, how, they never use that sleep wave on me. <laughs> they don't on the on the calls. They use it when I watch I watch TV or something like that. Oh. They drop me off. Usually, when I've been listening and listening and listening, and I sit up and I'm beginning to say something, they cut off the last of my sentence. Uh, I got kicked off. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but I'll just, just give you an example of what they did to me, and this is this is how they try to manipulate your belief system against you. When I first became targeted with this technology, 
I used to work for the Department of Defense, and I, I didn't know anything about this technology. didn't even know it existed. They were using this technology on me when I was working for the Department of Defense in, in the Balkans, in Kosovo, in a war zone. They were using it on me. And I'll get to that in just a second. But let me tell you how, how, they, how they did how they did me with my religion and my belief system, my faith. I was in the Cayman Islands back in 1997, and I was this is when I was first targeted. And I didn't put it together back then. I thought it was God. Only later, when I realized I was a victim of this technology, did I realize what was happening or what had happened. I was walking down the street. I was heading to the uh, I was in the Cayman Islands. I was heading to a, the campus of the University of Liverpool, as a British West Indies campus. That's what, that's what the, the islands of the Caribbean are called. They're called the British West Indies. And the British West Indies campus uh, for the University of Liverpool is in the Cayman Islands. Well, I was attending the University of Liverpool. I was attending law school uh, at Liverpool in the United Kingdom. And I was there in the Cayman Islands uh, as a student in the UK. And I was walking to the campus. And I passed a police station. And there were two people standing outside the police station, a man and a woman. And as I was walking past them, I heard the audibly, audibly heard the words, talk to him. Now, I was far enough away, that, and there was nobody around me, so I knew, I knew that it was not anybody speaking to me. And as soon as I heard the words, talk to him, I got all these thoughts and, and, uh, and um, uh, emotions about God. What they were trying to do is make me believe God was speaking to me. Now, I walked back and forth, you know, trying to figure out how I was going to talk to this person. Finally, I just gave up thinking I was hearing things, and I walked away. But I always regretted that for years, thinking it was God speaking to me, only to realize much later in life when I was targeted with this technology and began to understand what was happening, that it was not God, it was them. So that's, that's how they use your te- the technology against you. Try to make you believe God is speaking to you. Now, they may not always try audibly to do that. I'll say use... you're very low. We can't hear you. What? You're talking very low. All of a sudden, it went. Yeah, they don't want you to hear this for some reason because the moment I started trying to talk about this, I was uh-huh. disconnected. So okay. they don't want you to hear this. Okay, so I'll start over. In 1997, in the Cayman Islands, I was walking past a police station. I was, I was uh, at the University of Liverpool. I was walking past a police station in the Cayman Islands in Georgetown, and I heard the words. There were two people standing outside, a man and a woman. And I heard the words, talk to him. I heard it audibly, heard the word, talk to him. And as soon as I heard the words, talk to him, there was nobody else standing around me. I was far enough away that no one, no one had spoken to me, and I knew that. But as soon as I heard those words, talk to him, I immediately got these, these thoughts of God. Thoughts of God began to immediately flood my mind. Okay. Well, I didn't know at the time that it was them. I actually thought it was God speaking to me. Only later in life to realize that this was, you know, this was mind control technology. This was, you know, deception and manipulation. But at the time, I didn't know it. So I walked back and forth uh, in front of the police station, and what they wanted me to do was talk to that guy. They were using the technology to manipulate my belief system to try and control me by making me believe God was trying to speak to me. It was an audible voice. It was voice of soul. I didn't know anything about voice of soul then. So I tried to figure out a way to talk to this guy. Eventually, I just walked away thinking I was hearing things. Um, but that's how they, 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 that's how they manipulate your belief system. If you don't know the technology exists, then they can really traumatize you with this technology. Um, these, the, people, these, the people that you're – now, I'm not saying demon possession doesn't happen because it does. We know that. The Bible says that. But these people that – all these possessions that are happening in, in, in the States and in Europe and all over the world – 
a lot of them are not the majority are not demon possessions at all they are they are CIA uh, research and development projects they're not possessed that's artificial multiple personality disorder they have created they have created a mind control victim using alter personality so these people the religious so they want to manipulate the religious leaders right they want to manipulate the pope and the and the bishops and <laughs> whomever you know so they make them believe this person's possessed no the person's not possessed the person suffers multiple personality disorder artificially induced multiple MPD so so that's that's how they do it that's how they they they, they, they get you okay um, uh, very very uh, a lot of what they can you hear me am I coming through clearly now am I, am I still yeah. low? That's fine, man. Oh, remember, remember what they're doing. A lot of what they're doing is based on scripts. Scripts are are, are actual plans, um, profiles that they build on you, based on you know whether or not you're a Christian or you're a liberal or you're a conservative or you're rich or you're poor or you're an intellectual or you're stupid. You know, <laughs> they build a, they build a profile on you, and then based on that profile, they use scripts, and those scripts are specifically tailored to you. And one of the scripts that they use quite often is God and demons, or the devil. Because it's not always God. Sometimes they want you to believe the devil's speaking to you. The demons are haunting your house. They want to traumatize you with such severe psychological trauma that you begin to break down and to isolate. Okay? And then they can move in and force, and, and, and then once they get you to isolate from the rest of society, once you become so traumatized by what's happening, they can, they can move in and begin to reprogram your brain. So it's not always God. Sometimes it's the devil. Whatever they want to do, whatever they want to achieve with you, that's what that's what they're doing. Um, uh, but but you know, remember, clockwork arch. If you ever if you ever wanted to try to break it down, we talked about this before. To the simplest level of your understanding of trauma-based mind control, just think of the movie Clockwork Orange. The movie Clockwork Orange, which came out in 1980 was a movie about scientists trying to take a bad person and turn him into a good person. The scientists were trying to take a, a violent person and turn him into a peaceful person who would shut down in the face of extreme violence. And they sought to achieve this by using behavior modification techniques, by using hypnosis, etc. Okay, and neuroprogramming. Well, trauma-based mind control is the exact opposite of clockwork orange. They take a good person and try to make him bad, or take a bad person and try to make her evil. Okay, it's just the exact opposite of Clockwork Orange. They're trying to turn you into a weapon who will either self-destruct or who will inflict destruction upon others or upon your community. And the amount of destruction that you inflict upon others or upon your community is important for their, it's an important measurement, an important metric for their, for their research and development behind mind control. And so religion is a big part of that. You know, this guy uh, that shot up all these people in, uh, in Florida State, I, I hear Tyrone Dew. I'm going to tell you real quick, people, about Tyrone Dew. Okay? You need to try to stay away from people who, who espouse violence. Anybody that gets on these calls and starts condoning violence or saying it's acceptable, um, you need to be very cautious of, of those people because they're recording these calls. Okay? And they and, and you know I'm not saying Tyrone is a perfect. He's not. He's clearly a, a target individual, but he's obviously heavily programmed. Okay, if you listen to him when he comes on the calls, his speech when he talks, his speech is rapid and pressurized. Rapid pressurized speech. 
He's always combative and angry. Uh, He's always uh, anxious. He's heavily programmed, and he doesn't even realize it. Okay, that's just what happened to Myron May. Listen, everything that just happened to to Tyrone Duke, uh, him getting forcefully mentally uh, institutionalized in a mental institution, his run-ins with the state and federal law enforcement, the Secret Service, all of that is, is, is moving towards a very bad ending if somebody doesn't in, you know, intervene on his behalf and try to bring him to his senses. Okay? He is heavily programmed and does not know it. So that, that's what you need to understand. Now, now Tyrone says he doesn't believe in God, so they won't really target a person, uh, a belief system who doesn't believe in God. But remember Myron May? Can you hear me? Yes. Remember Myron May after he wrote the letter about you know he's, what he was going to do and how he begged God's forgiveness and he was a Christian. Well, they were targeting his faith and manipulating his faith, okay, to believe that such uh, violence was acceptable. Um, Myron May was programmed. He he was not. He didn't sacrifice himself, and neither did Aaron and Alexis. They wanted to live. They wanted to have a normal life. They snapped. Why did they snap? Because they were programmed. They were psychobombs. They were not programmed assassins. There's a difference. A programmed assassin takes longer for them to to neuro to program. The neuroprogramming takes a long time. Psychobombs that, that that's much easier to do. Psychobombs are allowed to choose their own targets, whereas programmed assassins they have a specific target, like uh, the guy that killed Lenin, you know, the, uh, the John Hinckley, who shot Reagan. Those were programmed assassins. Okay. Now, now you say, why would they shoot Lennon? Well, it, they don't care about Lennon. They care about their technology. Okay, that's why. Um, John Lennon was shot and killed by 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 one of, by a program assassin because they wanted to see if the technology worked. But those, but, but Myron May and Aaron Alexis were not programmed assassins. They were psychobombs. Psychobombs are allowed to choose their own targets. Okay, uh, so. So what what they did is they they, he, they were heavily programmed to, to the extent that they were able to manipulate their emotions, causing them to burn with a white hot rage and to become a weapon. The, the technology worked. They turned them into a weapon to inflict destruction upon their community. That's why the CIA. That's why Department of Defense told the police not to go in. Remember the police? It was in the news. When Aaron Alexis, the Navy Yard shooter, shot up all those people and killed all those people, the, the press asked the police, well, why didn't you go in? And the, the press asked security, uh, base security, well, why didn't you go in? You were armed. Well, we were told to stand down. Well, who told you to stand down? Well, we don't know who told us. It was just our boss. Well, why would they be told that? Because the CIA wanted to see how much destruction Aaron Alexis would inflict upon his community because that was an important metric in determining the effectiveness of their mind control technology. Aaron Alexis, this, the technology is designed to mimic, to copy and to mimic your own normal cognitive behavior. So they think they just snapped. They didn't just snap. They were programmed. Same with Myron May. He was programmed. But Myron May was a good person. Remember, the technology is about turning a good person into a bad person. Well, you know, we... Byron May was was a person who had who had you know faith in God, who, who tried to live a good life, and who was an outstanding citizen. He was an attorney. Those are the kind of people they target to see if they could turn a good person into a bad person. You understand? Did you hear what Anita said earlier about Myron? It's very sad. 
because he said he didn't want his debts to go, you know, uncounted or un. Um, uh, how do you say? I remember how he said it. He didn't want his death not to count. But what she's saying is that the Bible tells us it's his life that counts. And I do believe that some of these that are attributed to this technology are just choices people make. This anger that people insist on having, and, and I kind of worry about Tyrone. He's still angry because he's not, he doesn't have the plans that he made for his life. He doesn't have the $3.5 million that he envisioned for his life. And that anger, as long as he just keeps it up, is going to get worse and worse. Like you say, the technology will enhance it. But it's still a choice right. people make. Amplify. Know? Amplify. Yeah. Right? They'll amplify your destructive habits. If you're an angry person or a violent person, they'll make you more angry, make you more violent. And they're seeking to amplify whatever destructive habits you have. So... So when you listen to Tyrone do again, he comes on. Lonnie, is that you? Are you, are you the one talking? Yes. Is this Lonnie? Okay. When you listen to Tyrone do come on again, somebody needs to call him down when he starts talking about this is acceptable. Okay. Do, because everybody on the phone call, at that point, you're, everybody on the phone call is, is at risk. Because yeah. you could be identified as somebody who's a, a domestic terrorist. You could be placed on the no-fly list. A lot of bad things can happen to you. Okay. So, you know, somebody needs to check Tyrone when he comes on these calls and says, well, you know, first of all, uh, Tyrone doesn't understand that he's, that he, he understands that he's targeted, but he doesn't understand how the technology works. So, he thinks he's just, he's just angry all the time because, well, he's just angry all the time. Well, no, the technology works to, to cause the victim to burn with anger in order to manipulate the victim, all right? Pay attention to Tyrone Dew because this, the, the events that are happening seem to portray a very bad ending for Tyrone. Remember, they want to try to portray the individual as mentally ill before they do something. Well, that's why they threw him in a mental institution. He didn't do anything to, to deserve that. They, they forcefully threw him in there. All he was doing was trying to pass out tracks. And then the run-ins with the... Uh, so then the media will come on television and will say, well, his person has a history of mental illness. Well, that's nonsense, and we know that, but that's how they do it. So you need to be careful, and you pay attention to Tyrone, because if somebody doesn't intervene on his behalf soon and, and bring him to his senses, he's, he's, he's coming to a very bad ending. I was, I was thinking, I was trying to put myself in the place of the Secret Service. They're the ones who took him in. And if I had been the Secret Service, and I'd been in much trouble as they've been in lately. And I saw somebody out there with pictures of Myron May and Aaron Alexis highlighting those people. I would have found some way to take him in. And whether they did it, you know, um, unethically or not, I believe that was that was why he was taken in. There's something else well, about a- There's a bigger factor in all of this. And I, I don't want to offend people, but I definitely believe it's true. There is this ethic going around the world and has invaded our country, too, that it, there's something wonderful about going down in a blaze of bullets. And there is a religion that says you, you go to heaven that way. And there are people oh, yeah. that yeah. that's well, been going remember, well, okay. remember, belief systems are manipulated. Well, remember, belief systems are manipulated that way. Listen, that's why they target, listen, okay, 
Buddhists and Hindus have no defense of this technology because their, do- their religion is based off cause and effect. It's based off the doctrine of reincarnation premised off the protocol of karma. Cause and effect. What's happening to you? You deserve what's happening to you. You deserve to be tortured. You deserve the terrible things you're going through because of your bad life, of your past life. In the previous life, you were a bad person, so you're paying for it now. That's the way they believe. Now, that's an oversimplification of Hinduism and Buddhism and the New Age movements. Their entire theology is about the cycle of reincarnation based off the protocol of karma. I don't have time to explain that. But it offers no protection. I study religion in college. People argue with me about this. It offers no protection, Buddhism and Hinduism, from this technology. Remember, the technology is designed to mimic your own normal cognitive behavior. Well, if your own normal belief system is based off cause and effect, there's no defense that you have to this technology. Now, Islam and Christian militants, especially Christian militants and Muslims, are extremely susceptible to this technology because of the doctrines of their faith. For example, jihad. Okay, Remember they want to turn the person into a weapon? Well, jihad, the doctrine of Islam, jihad. Uh, Christian militants, the same way. But, but mainstream, orthodox, Bible-based Christianity, even Dr. Duncan said this in his book, Project Soulcatcher, and he's not a Christian. He said Christians have defenses to this, to this technology. Because remember, they're trying to turn the person into a weapon. And the Bible says, thou shalt not kill. They're trying to, they're trying to make the person burn with anger and hatred and, and resentment. And the Bible says, uh, be, the Bible says thou, thou shalt not. Thou shalt not do these. Remember, they're trying to amplify your destructive habits. If you drink, they want to make you drink more. If you smoke, they want to make you smoke more. If you eat, they want to make you eat more. If you do drugs, they want to make you do more drugs. If you have sex, they want to make you burn with lust. High, 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 uh, strong urge of lust and, and desire for, for sex or masturbation at higher levels. It's a high frequency attack. Low urge or motivation for lust, sex, masturbation, etc. At lower levels, that's a low frequency attack. Okay, same with alcohol. Strong desire, urge for alcohol at higher levels. That's a high frequency attack. Low motivation or urge for alcohol at, at baseline levels. That's a low frequency attack. Same with, same with the belief system of the individual. They're trying to amplify whatever destructive habits you have. And if they can use your own belief system against you to make you think you need to go on a, you know, a crusade of jihad or a crusade for, for Christianity and kill people, well, then they'll do that. They'll manipulate you that way. So, I mean, I don't know what, give me an example of Christian militants today. I, well, I can't of course, think. look at, look at, Look at the look at the uh, KKK. Look at uh, well, hold, well, hold, well, 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 they claim to be, well, they, they, of course they're not. But no. how about the how about the uh, uh, the uh, Knights of Columbus or the uh, Freemasons or that? They're oh, not yeah. Christians either, but they claim to be. No, they yeah, the men, only, only the upper level, only the upper upper echelon of Freemasonry and these these secret societies really no, the truth. My dad was thirty second degree, and uh, okay, he came home. I'll tell that story too long. Okay, one other thing though, Doctor Duncan does not know this. He can read the Bible all he wants to. He can devise all kinds of technology, but if he does not know God and know the Holy Spirit, he has no idea what power that comes from that. I believe that that is a, a lot more 
um, influential than the Ten Commandments, then what is written, it is knowing God and having him within you. Your, your pre- his presence is real. Well, a lot of people <laughs> know about God. But a lot of people say, I know, when they say I know God, what they mean is that they know about God. Okay? Yeah. I yeah. know about them. They don't know God. To know, right. to know a person, you, in order to know an individual, you have to know how that person will respond in a specific set of circumstances. When a man or woman says, when a, when a man or woman says, I know that dog or I know that horse, what they mean is, I know how that animal will, will react under a specific set of circumstances. If I say roll over, that dog's going to roll over. If I say giddy up, that horse is going to giddy up. I know that animal because I know how that animal will react under a specific set of circumstances. The same is true with, with, with knowing a person. You can only know, truly know a person when you know how they will react under a specific set of circumstances. So how do we know how God will react? Well, we have the Bible that tells us exactly how he reacts right. and what he expects. Those are the specific set of circumstances. But people who don't know the Bible, these people are, 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 are or they're Quran or, or, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm, not, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus and everything else is, a, is BS. Okay, but I'm trying to I'm trying to make people understand that it's not just Christians that are targeted; it's people of other faiths too. Okay, people who don't know much about their religion, particularly a religion that's supposed to be based off peace, such as Mormons and Je- you know Jehovah's Witnesses and so forth, such you know these cults. Um, you know, they're more easily manipulated. People who don't know the technology exists, who have never heard of biocommunications technology before and who know even less about their own religion are easily manipulated with this, with, with this uh, religious deception and, and manipulation using mind control technology. Easily manipulated. So you want examples? Those are examples. People who don't understand their religion and know even less about the technology. They're, they're sitting ducks with this technology. They got me in 1997 with this. So I know firsthand... I, I experienced it firsthand, didn't know a lick about mind control, didn't know anything about it. Um, and I thought it was God. Mm-hmm. But, but they could not have caused me to do anything terrible because of my belief system. But people who believe that, you know, doing terrible things like the jihadists or the Christian militants or, or you know, whatever, uh, uh, then they're more easily manipulated. That's why the CIA creates these satanic cults. Mm-hmm. People don't realize that these satanic cults, who was the uh, who was the colonel Aquino? This, this colonel that worked for the NSA named Aquino came on Oprah and he came on Donahue and he came all over cable television. Do you actually believe that the National Security Agency is going to let one of their top generals come on there and make a fool out of themselves? No. What they were doing is they were manipulating the public perception, trying to create satanic cults. Now, why? Would the CIA try to create satanic cults? Because there are only there are only so many people who are capable of inflicting gratuitous, extreme gratuitous violence on another person. So these satanic cults are, are created by the CIA in order to find people who are capable of, of inflicting extreme brutality on another person, especially on children. Remember, children are heavily targeted with this technology between the ages of three to six before their core personality has developed. Because if you can target a person between the ages of three to six years old before their core personality has developed, then they're more likely to disassociate. They're more likely to, 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 
to become uh, the victims of artificially induced multiple personality disorder. So it's important to get to them before they develop their core personality, which is around six or seven years of age. Now, after six or seven years of age, your core personality is going to modify. Your core personality is going to evolve, but it's not going to change. You're always going to have the same core personality, okay? Unless you have Christ. Well, even with, even with Christ, even with Christ, no. I mean, you know, Jesus, Jesus uh, if you're an extrovert, let, let, let me explain. If you're an introvert, you're an extrovert, you know, you're alpha male, you're, you're bravo, whatever, you know, um, uh, I'm talking about the, the ego and the id, et cetera. I'm talking about these things. Um, the, 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 yes, you're right. Jesus does mess up their technology victim. That's why they try to censor the victim's ability to read the Bible. They try to censor the victim's ability to, to listen to religious content about the Bible because it does, I can tell you with absolute experience on this, having researched this, Jesus defeats their technology. Uh, why? One, one reason is because of the doctrines of the, of the faith, the doctrines that he preached, the doctrines that he taught. Love thy neighbor. Do good to those who persecute you. Pray for those who hate you. That runs entirely contrary to everything that technology is designed to achieve. Thou shalt not. Go and sin no more. Okay, so you understand, yes, Christianity is a major problem for them. Um, they've mastered the, the five senses, the, the human body. They will soon master the human soul, the real intellect and emotion. But remember, the, the human, a person is made up of three things. A man or a woman is made up of body, soul, and spirit. The spirit is the conscience. People want to know, well, what is my spirit? Your spirit is that internal voice inside you. The spirit is the real you, okay? So it is, that's your conscience. So when, when, what does it mean to walk in the spirit? People want to know what that means. What it means to walk in the spirit is that when your spirit tells you don't do that, you lock all four wheels and you stop. You don't keep doing it. Because if you keep doing it, you're not walking in the spirit. When your spirit says you shouldn't do that, or you shouldn't be here, or you shouldn't go there, you lock all four wheels. You come to a complete stop. That's walking in the spirit. You don't do it. Um, that's your conscience. Okay? It is the conscience which drives human behavior. It is not the soul. The body, for example, the five senses, the body says, I want to do this. And the spirit, the conscience says, you shouldn't do that. Where is the decision made? The decision is made in the soul, the will, intellect, and emotion. It is not the soul which drives human behavior. It is the conscience or the lack of a conscience which drives human behavior. That is the fate, one of the fatal flaws in their system. They are, the system is designed to, duplicate, to replicate and duplicate the will, intellect, and emotion in order to control a person. And they can do it, or they soon will be able to. Okay? What they cannot replicate or duplicate is the conscience. Because it is not physical. It is metaphysical. It is an innate instrument given to every person to help them determine right from wrong in a spiritual, moral, or ethical manner. They can't duplicate it because it's not physical. It's metaphysical. It's spiritual. So that is the fatal, one of the fatal flaws in their technology, and they know this. That's why they're so heavily... That's why they're so heavily interested in targeting a person's faith. Target, remember, they don't believe in the spirit. They don't believe in all that. For them, they want to know why, why, why the, the, the religious faith of a person, a Christian, is really messing up our technology. Well, that, so that's why they target you. 
they they don't understand they can't replicate and duplicate the conscious uh, because they don't believe in the conscience. They don't believe in the spirit. So they're so so Christianity, Bible-based Christianity, that Jesus has given them fits. Do you under, can you hear me? Yeah. Let me ask you something. This is not changing the subject, but I, my thoughts are leading this way. When was the first auditory remote auditory effect? Wasn't that in the seventies? You're talking about the microwave hearing effect? Yeah. Okay, what does that have to do with... I'm going to tell you. I don't know when they first were able to induce the microwave hearing effect. I'm sure that it probably started back when they started using microwave technology, which was back in the 40s and the 50s. Okay. Uh, uh, because all, all a person has to do is step in front of one of the, one of the receivers and they can, they can feel the effects of the microwaves. Okay. Now, I'm, I'm looking at Dr. Hoffman. He's talking about 75, something like that. One of these days, I may tell you something. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, if you want to tell it, you're going to talk, talk. I mean. <laughs> no. Well, um, okay. All right. This had to be, let's see. This was Is there anybody else on the phone? Is there anybody else on the phone besides us? I don't know. Guy was on. Anita yeah. was on. Karen's still around. Yeah. Good. Okay, here's the story. I've told this Karen, a lot. Karen, how, yeah, Karen, how many people are on the phone? There's about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven callers. Oh, here's somebody. We else. We're not hearing from them. Nobody else is speaking. Yeah, well, somebody wants to be unmuted. Apparently, they fell off. Welcome back, um, Washington. Hi there, hey Karen. I um, I was really trying to talk to you before about um, you told me that you were telling me about a Trinity Healthcare. You're gonna give me a phone number as well as phone numbers for uh, other people that had implants. I didn't see your email. I've been looking every day. Well, um. I I don't think I was I supposed to email you. Yeah. I, I gave you my phone number. You said you were going to call me afterwards. Oh, I did. I did. That's right. I forgot. I forgot all about you. I'm sorry. Um. Um. Well, it was kind of late that night, and I was going to call you the next day, and I forgot all about it because I'm doing ten things at the same time right now. Well, I wanted you to call me. Um. I mean, you could call me whenever. Do you still have my number? No, hang on. Let me hang on one minute. I'm trying to get two inches of paper revealed to me. All right, it's um, Chris, right? Chris, yes. What's your number again? It's four eight zero three seven zero eighty nine zero five. You could just uh, text message me, um, and uh, I'll call you. All right. I'd really like to get the number for the Trinity Healthcare and and those uh, guys that you said. All right, uh, let me make sure I got this right. Four eight zero three seven zero eight three zero five. Eighty nine oh five. Oh, eighty nine. Yeah, eighty nine oh five. All right. And I've been waiting all week, basically, just to, yeah, sorry, you know. I, sorry, I'm just really kind of busy right now. You're lucky I'm even having a call. 
So uh, I'll text it to you right now. Okay, that and um, those guys that had successful implants removed, um, you said that you're going to give me their numbers too. I guess they were people who went here. And, yeah, I have uh, to call first before I hand out their number, or I'll give them your number. I'm okay. sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I was in the middle of a move, and I'm in the middle of a remodel for my mother, and I'm kind of doing a bunch of things at the same time, so I got kind of busy. Yeah, I'll get back to you right now, okay? And I can't give you everybody's number till I ask them. Oh, well, okay, that's what I thought you were going to do. Um, I just wanted well, to I'm talk to I'm sorry, but I can't do that, so enough. If they had a successful story, you know, of getting their implants removed, then, you know, I definitely wanted to hear that. Um, we're, we're way beyond implants now. Implants are used basically... For the, te- the technology depends on timing and location. Location is, is, is necessary. So implants are used to monitor the, the location of the victim, to measure the heart rate, the blood pressure, the oxygen level, etc. Well, um, that's but, funny because I've got like three of them in my chest. Um, I yeah, yeah they, they still use them. They still use them, but they don't need to. We're way beyond implants now. And I have, like, unidentified bright objects in in my, you know, brain MRI as well. Um, And I have a scar on my forehead, um, you know, that, you know, I I can't really explain. But... um, How did you find out? How did you, how did you find out? Did I, I you was taken as a child. Um, I, I I've been taken as a child, you know, and and all throughout my life. There is a UFO that looks like a bluish white star in the sky, that that streaks in white lightning and takes off and stuff. And it uh, it's been coming for me all my life, and it's been doing things to me all my life, and. I've been targeted with, you know, different levels of voice to skull, you know, throughout my life with it ever increasing in volume as I got older, you know, it's like, um, you know, it, it's gotten worse and worse and, and then mind control all out, like, flat out roboticized, like, you know, where I'm just like the ghost hanging around outside my body watching myself walk and talk and be places and this and that. Um, so um, it's it's been happening to me. My father, you know, committed suicide, but I, I it was it was more like, you know, he was a puppet on strings. I I, I know he didn't willingly just kill himself. Um and uh, I mean, my mother's been turned against me. Um, you know, people are dying in my family. You know, left and right, tortured. Um, you know, I, I could tell all kinds of tales. Um, I just, uh, you know, it, I mean, I'm, I'm being attacked now. I, I constant, like, I'm not allowed to even think anymore. Like, you know, my thoughts are all replaced by a voice that, you know, is basically like a a whining, screaming homosexual in my head. That's the way it's been for like the last 10 years. Um, Ever since I, you know, matured and 
you know, had a girlfriend, and, you know, you know, uh, I'm just targeted. I I should have grown up in a half a million dollar house in Southern California, went to college, um, you know, had a good life. Um, Instead, I didn't even know that I, you know, was supposed to be, you know, the heir to, you know, a nice life, an empire, and the government just took it away from us all, like, they, my grandparents, like, had all sorts of afflictions on their health, um, which, you know, led to, like, the house being sold, and, and, um, there was still, like, you know, over $200,000 left over that I have no idea where, where that went, um, it might be somewhere, and I haven't found it yet, I heard that I had a safety deposit box, but, um, and and there was a trust like there was all all I, I I was born fucking rich to you know be given over to my mother who tried to kill me um, I mean my mom threw me off the Grand Canyon before I started school trying to kill me she just like took me by the hand after pulling over to the edge of the cliff and said let's go play Chris and you know threw me off the side of the cliff and you know how I, old were you I. I was uh, maybe like four years old. I, I wasn't, you know. Let me let me explain a couple of things. But, touching on stuff. Can I just can I just touch on what you've spoken about? Very important. Um, well, I, I don't know, man. Um, omega programming. Omega programming is suicide programming. It's called omega programming. Well, they've tried and, to innovate uh, it, me like that. I've I've had the same program. It's. It's like the same thing they're doing to my father. They're doing to me. They, they just they they decided someone somewhere on a UFO working for this government, probably from some other planet, you know, decided you know that my family was going to be marked for death and destroyed, except for my uncle and my cousins. You know, my my mom's brother. That they're all you know fine, you know, they're they're all white, frosty, you know, space people, um, I, I, and um, I'm in bondage, suffering, and, you know, they, they treat me, you know, like I, I came up here to see them in Idaho, and uh, my uncle just told me, you know, like, I wasn't welcome to go live my pointless life, and, and I know it's because, like, you know, they're they're all living free, you know. There's two types of people on this world. People who come here from other worlds and choose to live here, and then there's, you know, everyone that's in bondage here that's being torn. Can I ask you a question? How long have you been the victim of neuroprogramming? How long have you been the victim of mind control neuroprogramming? My whole life, man. That's it. My father was victimized. No, no, but how long have you known? But how long have you known that you've been... How long have I known that, that you know, I, um, God, I don't know. I I guess I started figuring it out, like, uh, a couple years ago. Um, uh, maybe, you know, I. but then I was kind of, like, reprogrammed because, like, you know, I mean... I, I, I found out I was being abducted, like, you know, I don't know, uh, 
like three years ago or something. It's kind of hard to, you know, tell time exactly. I don't know what the difference is, you know, what it matters how long. I mean, you know, I, I, I heard this whining, squealing, homosexual voice in my head, and it tried to make me, you know, think and behave like a queer. And and then, right. um, you know, so I they started... Always, they always do what's most difficult. And and you know I started looking for God at that point. I mean I, and when I started you know looking for God and going to church, I started hearing you know other voices and you know it was just like you know then then it was all about you know Jesus talking to me, Holy Spirit talking to me, Father God talking to me, you know the devil talking, the Grim Reaper talking, you know death and hell, Hades talking, you know, I started, you know, scouring religions and, and reading, you know, religions like books and, you know, just like one after another. And, you know, there's all these spirits talking. It was a spirit of failure, a spirit of the gayness, a Medusa and a wicked witch. And, uh, you know, like these are all the minions of Satan and, and Satan is a spirit, and, you know, Satan goes, ha-ha, and, you know, blah, 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 and, you know, and, and uh, you know, like, likes to uh, be a, you know, like, sexual deviant, I suppose. And um, it, it, you know, just, I, I've had so much shit go through my head when I was young and a kid. It was the boogeyman. I thought, you know, I, I was going to space and and I was going to space I just didn't realize it and I mean the first UFO I ever saw was probably um you know when I was about 10 or something um but I mean they erase your mind of the experience where did you see it where did you see it outside you see in the UFO? backyard in, in Texas I mean you know just you know I'll be out because they typically come at night you know they like to come and take you in your sleep um but you know that that doesn't mean that's the only time they'll take you um i i I was just like mind controlled can i ask can i ask you just a thought i want i want to talk about what you talked about with regard to to the homosexuality uh and with regard to the ufos um they always do. The reason they chose you for that, they chose that for you, is because they always do whatever is most difficult. I, I mean, they, they attacked my my genitals, you know, caused pain and and you know made it you know impossible for me to have sex. I, I'm I'm under the impression there's something implanted in my you know in my you know manhood there um, that and. You know, like I mean, they just you say you made you said they made it impossible. That to I've, they, like I've I've been arrested for having girlfriends. I mean, and then my you know manhood is attacked and and, and you know forced ejaculation. Um, you know, like you know, it's like there's something in there moving around inside. You know, around my prostate like no no, no 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 that's not what's happening let me explain. well there's let no no it's like it has a seizure or something please other people are on the call they want to hear they want to learn oh i i mean i i've i've had 
They, they don't want me, me to have any Will life. They won't explain? let me work. Please they won't let, let me, me love. They won't let me Fair. live. Can you get him to let me explain? Let me explain uh, what's happening to your private parts. Let me explain. Oh. There's something called EEG cloning. It's called motor, motor cortex transfer. Okay? They're not, they're, they could have placed something there, but it does, does them no good to do that. They don't need to. What they're doing is they have, they have mapped your brain. They have mapped your brain into a cognitive model. Now they are using their the clone, the psychic soldier, the CIA clone. There are two interfaces. Clone Okay, there's a supercomputer you're tied to, and then there's a clone. This clone is actually a psychiatrist. He's called a clone because he clones his mind, his brainwave pattern, to your brainwave pattern by aligning his frequency to your frequency using a neurochip. Okay, once he does that, once the clone is able to align, and the clone is always someone with, with, with an expertise in the area of the mind, particularly as it relates to memory thought process. So what the clone is doing to you is he's transferring his motor cortex uh, reactions to your motor cortex reactions, okay? Whatever motor cortex functions that he manipulates, that he wants to, do, uh, to manipulate, can be transferred to you in real time at speed of light. So he can, he can play with his self, and you'll feel it, because he's transferring. He, he can bite down on something, or he can punch himself in the face, and you'll do the same thing, because he's transferring his motor cortex functions to your motor cortex functions using a process called alignment. He's basically aligning his brainwave frequency to your brainwave frequency. He Who has is? cloned your mind to his mind. The clone is every eight hours you have a different clone. You have, they, they operate in eight-hour shifts. Okay? The clone is the head Clones? of the cybernetic I'm, I'm looked up to like an automated artificial intelligence. Right. There are two interfaces. There are two. You are tied to a supercomputer. The moment you were, you were selected for mind control, they mapped out your brain. They tied you remotely to a supercomputer. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, for years they, they um, you know, monitored my brain, you know, until I was like, you know, still 18. They still or, are. Or, or what? What, the law? They still are. Oh, every, well. Every, all electromagnetic activity, all electromagnetic activity. Out already. Right. Every electromagnetic emission that you have is monitored in real time by the supercomputer. That's called the brain-to-computer interface. Dude, I, have I've got an artificial telepathy thing on have. here that says that. The clone. clone is the second interface. The clone is the one that is manipulating the areas of your body. He's able to touch himself, to burn himself. To make, to, he can make you itch. He can make you burn. Okay, he can make you have any type of boxing. Uh, but what is a clone? I mean, a clone is, is like, you know, a you, genetically let me, let me engineered, you know. Let me, let me, let me explain. You've got to give me long enough to talk to explain, okay? The clone is a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a behavioral scientist, a neuroscientist, etc. It is someone who has a specialty, an expertise in the area of the brain, particularly as it relates to memory and thought process. Now, the clone is the head of the cybernetic mind team. They don't want you to hear this. You have every eight hours, every eight hours you have a, a, a new team, a new clone assigned to you. These are, these are dedicated CIA DOD operatives, CIA Department of Defense operatives. Yes, they use a lot of gang stalkers, but those are just gang stalkers. They are not dedicated CIA DOD operatives. The dedicated CIA DOD operatives cannot communicate with you mentally. 
They cannot uh, affect you with direct energy. Okay, they are simply they are they are part of the hive mind cluster. They communicate with each other by way of synthetic telepathy. They don't have to talk. They can communicate in the same room without moving their lips. They communicate with the clone who is the supervisor. He is the director of that team. Every eight hours is a new clone in a new cybernetic hive mind team of three to six people who are dedicated to you, right on top of you. They've moved in nearby or next door to you. They're the new employee at the, at the office. They're the, the new uh, uh, parishioner at the church. They're the, they're the new uh, uh, person, the friend you just made down at the gym. The cybernetic hive mind team is right on top of you every day. A supercomputer is remote. It's far off. Okay, that's what you're tied to remotely. And it's driving your train of thought. It's driving... Hello? 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 Yeah, I, I, we're still here. Uh, he's okay. uh, he's okay. muted so right the, now because that noise is coming from his line. So when you're done, I'll unmute him, okay? That's coming from his line. It happened immediately with him the other night. It's not on purpose from what he says. Well, so he, we'll just he's, he's, obviously, he's obviously... Uh, he's obviously a target individual. I can just tell listening to him. He's real. I mean, he's really going through this. The, the UFOs that he's seeing are not actually UFOs. They're holograms. They're, uh, the manipu they're also the manipulation of his visual cortex. There are UFOs, but UFOs don't have to fly across the universe to plant chips in people. They're, they're way above that technology. Okay, they, 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 they don't need oh, to. I, I'm pretty sure it's the government and, and you know, there, there are people from other worlds that are controlling the government of this world, imprisoning the people here that they're imprisoning, and letting the people who you know they allow to live live. And um, I have seen UFOs. I've seen them multiple times. I've been taken by them, you know, and implanted with things. I didn't hallucinate that. I, that is real. However, you know, the hallucinations are like, you know, part of the technology, like the hologram, like images of, of like, you know, Apple. Well, they can also manipulate, they can also manipulate your visual cortex with streams of energy, electromagnetic energy. They did it to me. I saw somebody standing in my room who just disappeared. And that oh, happened yeah. every night. Yeah, and that happened like, every night. That happened every that, night for weeks. Until finally I realized what they were doing after I got online and began to research it. They were they, there was nobody in my room. They were manipulating my visual cortex. Well, like they used to tell me that it's some like little gay kid in hell that hates me, that's torturing me. And, and, and I used to see, like, you know, it appear with, like, you know, it, it would look a certain way or, or whatever, like, you know, a certain type of person. And then at other times it, it you know... It'll make me, you know, like look at like Frylock from, you know, Aqua Teen Hunger Force, and um, and you know I, I've seen it look like bat creatures, and you know like it'll put like angel wings on a person, or or make them look all evil and sadistic, and make me think, you know, like everyone's a cannibal and shit, like you know, like I mean I, I've. Hey, let me explain. Let me explain. They're able to manipulate the retina, the pupil in your eye, to cause you to see by manipulating the visual cortex. They can Is actually it not make an you implant? Like it's not some machinery no, they, they in there? Impl they, they use implants, but not for the purpose of mind control. They use implants to monitor you. 
that we're way beyond implants now. They're able to heterodynamically lock onto you without implants. The reason they use implants is for the purposes of training, research, and development. It is, it is necessary for the implants to be in your body for training, research, and development. They need to measure your heart rate so they don't kill you. You're very important to them, at least until they're finished with you. No, okay, they, not, need, no, they need to measure they, your oxygen they, level. They need to measure your blood pressure. They need to make sure the body can withstand the torture. Okay, otherwise they got to go find someone to start all over again. And there are other reasons. The point no, is they, they'll, they'll kill you. They, they they don't give a shit. They're well, they're in the business of killing people. Of course they will. They will and, kill and, you. And done. they've tried. You know, they've they've like Perhaps shot rays at my heart, and like I can hear the implant they in there. Wanted to blow out your heart, they could have done it in one second. They know how they know how to do that. Fear of death, fear of death is an important element, is a very important element in trauma based mind control. Fear of death. So that's why they target what the other topic. kind of mind controls are there? If there's trauma based, is there, you know, uh, is yeah, there okay, like a... there are, there are, okay, there are a hundred. Okay, state of the art mind control, which is based on the, the ignorance of the victim, that the victim doesn't realize they're being targeted. We, we, there are hundreds of programs. Now, there are thousands of projects based off those hundreds of programs. So think of a tree. Think of a tree with hundreds of branches and thousands of leaves. Okay, the branches of the, of the, of the, the hundreds of branches on that tree are the various... Where do you get trees. your information from? Well, I've done the reason. I used to work for these animals. I used to work for the Department of Defense, but that, that was before I even knew I was targeting. But uh, I... Uh, I've been able to research. Hello? Hello? Is he, is he muted again? Okay. So I'll, am I muted? Can you hear me? No, you're here. Can anybody hear me? Yes. Okay, I'll just keep talking. Yeah. I don't know. Keep okay. talking. I, can, I can hear you, man. Okay. Uh, I'm unmuted. The, the UFOs, they're not... They're not UFOs so you worked for the Department of Defense. What did you do for the Department of Defense, man? I was a security contractor. Let me answer the question about uh, the, the homosexual things that are happening to you. Well, they're just trying they to make me nobody. They don't want to let me have kids work. I mean, they take my right. jobs. They, they've done everything to make sure that I can't, you know, have kids or a family or friends. You know, they right. just, they, they, they want me to be isolated, alone, right. under torment. Right. They're using a process called influence mapping to map out your social circle and your family circle to find out who in your social circle and your family circle have the most influence on you. Then those people who have the most influence on you are targeted. They are, their lives are turned upside down every time you come around so that eventually they want to stay away from you. It's called influence mapping, and it's called negative associative conditioning. Let me explain the homosexual and, things that are and happening. You, and you learned all this stuff while you were working as a security guard? Or, I wasn't or, a security guard. But, you were a security uh, specialist? Uh, no, I didn't, I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything uh, when I was working for DOD. I was sitting on, I was on, a, I was on, a, on a tower. I was a security contractor. I was a glorified security guard. I had a sniper rifle on a tower, and if anybody came over that fence, I had orders to shoot them. Okay, that was my job. And while I was while I was sitting there with a sniper rifle uh, in, in, uh, in Kosovo in a war zone uh, guarding an American base with orders to shoot to kill anybody that came over that fence, they were messing with me then, calling me on the phone constantly all night, screwing me. But I didn't realize at the time that I was targeted with that technology. But 
let me explain the homosexual content because others are dealing with the same thing you're dealing with. I know. They always do, they always do whatever is most difficult with the victim. It does them no good to turn a bisexual into a homosexual. It does them no good to turn a, a, a violent person even into an even more violent person or a Christian into a less of a motivated Christian because this is about perfecting their technology. They want to perfect the technology, so they always do whatever is most difficult. So if you're gay, they'll try to make you straight. Or straight, they'll try to make you gay. If you're conservative, they'll try to make you a liberal. If you're a Republican, they'll try to make you a Democrat. If you're a Muslim, they'll try to make you a Jew. I wanted I, to go to college, you know, work a job, get married, have love, and create the you know the American dream. Like, hello. <laughs> I just wanted to be um, a, a normal American. I just wanted to go to school. Hello? What's that? Yeah, go ahead. I don't know who that was. Somebody making a comment. Okay, so the point is, they do whatever's most difficult with you. Okay, so they build a profile on you as soon as you're chosen for the technology. I mean, I was tortured when I was a kid, so I mean, I mean, I had my mom make me a fat cow and 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 you know torture me, make me homeless, and get me locked up and all sorts of shit. And so you know, like I I, I lost weight, became an adult, and I I really tried to go to college, but you know I I. I, I and I I did go to school somewhat, but they messed it up, and I never. So got let me it explain. Free. So let me explain. Let me explain why they're you, they're trying to make you into a homosexual. Okay. Because I right, don't want to yeah. be one. Right. Exactly. That's the reason. And, and they even took it as far as raping me multiple times, abducting me and raping me, and I still oh, don't want to be gay. I, I was willing to yeah. kill myself, but you know. They're not going to do that. Okay, so so listen. The, it, it's not UFOs. You're meant to believe it's UFOs. It, it, well, it is UFOs. I mean, what do you not think UFOs. faking me and raping my ass? No, no, it's not UFOs. <laughs> okay, it's it's not, not a UFO? Raping. No, UFOs, aliens don't need to travel across the universe. I don't think anal-ray. they're little green men, hey, bro. Listen, I think listen, they're people. Be quiet, be quiet for a second. Just be quiet for one second. Hold Still on. a UFO, it's just people just on, on it. Just be quiet. talking and let Brian talk, please. Okay. Aliens do not need to travel the universe from the other side of the universe to come over here and anally rape your body. Okay, you're meant to believe that nonsense. They don't need to travel light years from, you know, some other galaxy and some other area of the universe to come here to, to, to stick implants in your body. They're way beyond that technology. Okay. You're no, it's the that. government doing it. Right, exactly. Okay, so that's exactly right. It's people understand. doing it. There, it's people in a UFO. Are you on medication? I'm not on medication. You go take some medication. Okay, well, I'm going to get off. Um, I'll talk to you all on Tuesday. Um, Brian, don't go away. with you. Well, well, you don't I have to get off the phone, man. I, I just, I mean, I know what's happening to me. Like, you know, it's I've got implants in me. You just said earlier that, you know, yeah, that... I know, but I need, I need to explain I need to explain everything you're talking about. You put implants. 
Because if you you understand why it's happening to you, you can help yourself. Right. So I'll just call back on Tuesday next week if I'm still alive. Brandon, how I feel. Well, hey man, you want to just call me? Like you know, like get my number, man. We can talk more. Like, but I mean, where do you live? Where do I live? I, I'm I'm in Washington. Washington D.C. State. Where in Washington State? Doesn't really matter. I mean, are you in Washington? Yes. Um, like in Spokane. Eastern. Okay. I'm in Western Washington. This is a burden. I can help you. You can help me. It can help you if you listen to it. What will help me? Yeah, if you listen, listen to it. What's going to help me? What am I supposed to listen to? Brian, if you stop talking and listening, what happens? Okay, well, what do I listen to? You don't stop talking long enough to listen. I think he's gone. Yeah, he gave up. I know it because you wouldn't stop talking and we all wanted to hear what he had to say. Because there's a lot of great information. Well, I, I, I was listening to to what he was no, saying, no, but no, they, no. I mean, right after he... he stop talking. I didn't talk, but he's gone now. Right, right after he told me, you know, they put implants in you for this, that, and that reason, then he said, you know, that, you know, it, it doesn't happen and... uh you know, they're they're not UFOs, but you know, I I mean, there there is a difference between a hallucination hologram mm-hmm. and, and a UFO abducting you and taking you away and doing things. But you said that six times, and we heard it, and we believe you. So then we go on to what the fermentation is going on. Thank you. Hey, are you there, Virginia? Hello? I think she dropped. No, she didn't. So is there no one on the line now? No, she didn't drop off. Uh, Wait a minute. She did drop off with three other people at the same time. I don't think she meant to drop off. I think it was uh, she just fell off. I don't know. Oh, we have another East Virginia on the call. I don't know which one that is. Yeah, Chris, we have a West Washington. We have a couple West Washington states. I wish I didn't have my thoughts invaded. I wish that I wasn't going through all this. I wish I could just be a human being, but this is never going to stop. I have to turn into a homosexual junkie. And no, you, no, you don't. Oh, have no, apparently in- I do, according no. to what dude said, you know. Have you uh, been in with the Seattle group? There is a group that meets in Seattle. That you I'm might not be- anywhere near Seattle. I can't go to no, Seattle. Okay. But, you know, yeah, I know Loris all the way. Okay, good. Um, you you know, call and, and she doesn't meet that often. No. She meets like rarely ever, according to what she says. 
I don't meet with them anymore, but she will stay in contact with you through e- email or otherwise. Yeah, she said she'll send me an email or something if she has a group ever um, or a conference call. Um, but uh, well, why not you start a group in your area? Yeah. I, you know, I had someone. You know, I called that one eight hundred number a while back, and they put me on the the internet to do that. And I I I started talking to one guy because of that. Um, you know, he's like three hours from here, and uh, you know, but you know, I I only got one guy talking to me off of that. Um, well, that's the start. Yeah, and he's not local around here, so. Um, and it's not really... in California too, and we want to go to an event. It's a two to three to four hour drive for us. I mean, our I, I think that guy is calling me on the other line right now um, on my cell phone. Okay, well, let me answer that. I'll answer it, I guess, real quick. Hello? Hello? I'm sorry, I don't really want to listen to your call, so I'm going to meet you on the call. How's it going, Lonnie? Oh, it's it's going. I'm still around here, hanging in there. Right in the rapture. And I talked to you after, you after you moved, everything would settle down, but you still got stuff going, huh? I do. I have projects and yeah. traffic school, and I got a ticket the other day. I'm an idiot. I ran a red light. Everybody goes 50 to 60 miles an hour around here on the surface mm-hmm. roads. Yeah, I don't know the way around, so I'm looking for a name of a street, and boom, I go through a red light. I'm like, oh, dang. And they no. send you a ticket in the mail with a picture of your car going through the red light. <laughs> oh, you're kidding. I heard they're yeah. doing the Yeah, with your license plate all blown up so they know it's you, and your face <laughs> all blown up. Ah, that's just a little too much for me. I guess we'll get it, but I don't like it. We get a lot of traffic around. We're not used to a lot of fast driving and, uh, you know, that sort of thing around here. But well, I'm not either. I came from a town for the last 20 years. I never went over 30 miles an hour in the entire town for 20 years. Yeah. Because there was no place to go because there was a school on every block. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you had to. Right. It's disgusting. Well, no, it was kind of nice. You just tootled around town. You didn't have to worry about the speed limit or people rushing you. And you come here, and there's like thousands and millions of cars, and they're all going a bazillion miles an hour, and pulling out on the roadway is a hazard because it's like pulling on the freeway. Right. right. Yeah, wild, complete difference. Actually, I'm ready. ready. What? I'm ready for the rain to start for school to start for people to stop traveling. They come out here, you know, in uh, the good, and we've had good weather. This next week's going to be beautiful. Usually after Labor Day, everything slows down, but everybody's just rushing around trying to get all these sightseeing done, you know, whatever. So it's nice. And I, I want less traffic and less road crews and that sort of thing. I can handle it better. So go ahead. I was just rambling. 
Well, when it starts to snow there, will it will it snow in the winter? Well, it, you know, when I first moved into this house, we had a gorgeous, about 10 inches of snow up here. I loved it. It lasted a whole week and a half. And what was funny was this... Um, <laughs> This perp who was hanging out, I know where he was. I saw his car. It's the same as that kid's car. He's still driving the same. He was still driving the same thing. And he got stuck over there because you can't do anything in the snow, you know, unless you unless you make footprints. So I didn't get any problems at all for a solid week. I made snow ice cream, and I made chili, and I just stayed at home. It was great. But since in the last few years, we haven't had a good snow. And it's been kind of scary because uh, the drought. I know you've had drought too, um, but we finally got some snow on on Hurricane Ridge. They call it this, uh, the Olympic. Just the other day, that was um, the first that we've gotten. So we just haven't had rain. We haven't had rain for a couple of months, you know, until the other day. So that's very rare for this part. We need a lot of um, we need a lot of rain because the trees don't have very deep roots. We had a big wind the other day, and a 50-foot cottonwood fell right next to my house, just barely missed the eave of the roof. And um, we've had lots of tall trees go down in the last few uh, few days because of the, top, the fast wind. So the climate is definitely changing around here. I'm ready for a good snow. I want one real good one every year. So let's see what happens here. I don't know. You don't get? Do you get snow at all? No. Yeah, see, we didn't get, we got it a little bit in Texas, but every time we would get it, it was gone by that afternoon or the next day, and I just didn't like that. <laughs> you know, I want to, I want to enjoy it. So, hopefully, this year we'll get another one. That was so great, though. He couldn't move around. He couldn't come around at all because it's, uh, it's, it's a large area around here, and uh, had he walked in or driven in or something, it would. <laughs> It would have been obvious. I would have had the pictures. So that worked out. But uh, pretty good. I was going to just come on the call and be very quiet and listen all night. And I've been talking now for how many hours? Four hours. <laughs> That's all right. It's your turn. <laughs> we'll see. I don't know. And I checked out a couple of movies too. I'm supposed to be watching that, doing that. So, anyway. Yeah. So we lost Virginia, and we lost uh, the guy in Spokane, and we lost Brian all at one time. We still have an East Virginia on here. I don't know who it is. Yeah. Chris, oh, I guess Chris dove off the call. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Brian didn't come back. Okay. okay. Yeah, those were our talkative people with Brian. I guess, was he tired of putting up with us, or why did he leave, or did he fall off, do you know? No, I don't think he could finish his sentence. He was having trouble. He kept getting interrupted. He just gave up. Yeah. He said he'd be back next week, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's good. I'm glad he'll be back. I'm sorry he kept getting interrupted, but that gentleman, Chris, 
kind yeah. of does that. You know, he's pretty excitable. I know. It's been a hard time. For all of us. Yeah. yeah. I was just watching a good video about telling the truth. That's a good plan. All right. Good rule. It was about the uh, infinite wisdom of the universe some such nonsense. Now the truth is what everybody needs to focus on and we have so much um, deception and destruction in the environment today and um, it's pervasive. It's hard to know these days what truth is, because there is a lot of deception. But oh, my God. If you peel off a layer, and there's 1,500 layers under that, you know, and you're going, oh, my God. It's just mm-hmm. layer upon layer, of this, and the deception goes way, way, way back. That's the interesting part. I watched a video tonight that talked about how far back it goes and how we can prove it, and he talks about all the uh, sim- uh, symbolism and the... Um, idolatry practiced, you know, throughout the ages, regardless of what church was running things. Anyway, he didn't have very nice things to say about the Vatican, I'll say that. Oh, really? Yeah, but everybody knows that, so it's nothing new. But, I mean, he painted everything black in this video, but the guy, as it turns out, is a leading um, researcher on all this stuff, and he's the one that uh, paid for David Icke to come over and it's basically David Icke, everything David Icke talks about comes from this guy who's been researching for 42 years and pretty much knows what words go back in antiquity to what era and what people and what it meant. Oh. And what, yeah, it was pretty interesting. I asked him why I had to listen to that to see if the, to kind of fact check it before I recommend it because you know, some of that antiquity stuff is beyond my knowledge, and she studies a lot of that stuff and the other mm-hmm. culture stuff comes mm-hmm. from. So I was going to get a second opinion before, because, you know, I've been fooled before. I go on some videos, and I'm all gung-ho, and by the time I get to the end, I'm like, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> we all do. That's part of it. Um, that's part of learning, I guess. We all, you know, have to explore that. Um, Take into consideration what he was saying along with the uh, who he was affiliated with uh-huh. and then what he was saying in conjunction with who he was affiliated with after two and a half hours negated his entire premise. So I flipped uh-huh. to the next video. <laughs> uh, since you mentioned deception, you know, Jesus talked about deception. He talks about the deception of Money, you know, loving money, that sort of thing. But he talked about um, the devil. He said he's been a deceiver from way back. You read, let's see, um, Jacob. Yeah, the deception has gone back, like, since the 
Stone Age is just about, if there ever was a Stone Age, I'm not sure there was, so pardon me for the faux pas if I'm wrong, but it goes back quite a ways, and to the these Freemasons, they were trying to study them to see how far back they go, and the guy studying them said, I just kept finding them, they just went further back and further back and further back practically to the Stone Ages, he probably meant the Dark Ages. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. Uh, but it was that was pretty interesting. Yeah, I'm spending a little time relaxing and trying to soak in alternative media to get some new ideas and mm-hmm. try to go a little deeper. Yeah, you know, because the conspiracies are deep and they're complicated and multi-layered, and there's mm-hmm. some physics involved and plasma physics and quantum physics and all that stuff is real interesting too. I've tried to, I, I can only go so far when it comes to uh, technology and science, but um, concepts, I do pretty well with concepts. Yeah, if you're good with concepts and quantum physics is your thing, you need to look into it. It's really fascinating, the double split experiment, double slit experiment, where they send two photons through these two splits, and when you're watching the photons, they'll react a certain way, but if you're not observing them, they'll act a completely different way. Wow. Showing that human consciousness can affect matter. Anyway, if you look up the double slit experiment, they'll show it on YouTube and a whole bunch of them. It's a famous experiment, but it talks about, and that is the beginning of understanding quantum physics. The particle, basically there is no solid matter in the universe. You know that. Everything vibrates and all the matter we see is just a bunch of electrons going around a proton and neutron that neutron and both the electrons and the proton and neutron fade out of existence every now and then and pop back inside of the the atom of at different sometimes in two and three spots at the same time. It's fascinating stuff. Just fascinating. So matter is an illusion. It's basically atoms vibrating at a certain frequency. Yeah. There is no such thing as matter. There's only energy that cannot be created or destroyed, only changes form. <laughs> if indeed that a law of physics is even true. <laughs> that takes it, that already takes me back to God. I, all of this does, and the deeper we go with it, the more finite we realize that the universe is created in in bigness and teeny tiny little details. You know. You know what? We, yeah, you have no idea how intricately connected all of God's creation is. How the numbers, the sacred. Geometry numbers are prevalent, or whatever they have, Fubinichi code, which is the numerical code, is present in every living thing on the face of the earth. It repeats itself over and over and over again in our fruits and vegetables, in our bodies, our brains, in the flowers. And I mean, it just goes on and on and on, these dimensions. And the numbers associated with all these things are phenomenal, and they're by, not by accident. None no. of this is by, our universe, our reality is not by accident. Our and who we are is a lot more important than who we thought we were. We've been fooled about that too. We really are more important than we thought we really are here for a purpose. And that's why no matter how bad it gets, you have to keep telling yourself life is a gift, life is precious, life is a gift, life is precious. Just keep saying it over and over again and it will become a gift and precious to you again. Because it sure as heck isn't when you're going through the worst of this. Um, we have so many suffering people, so you're not alone. That's true. That's true. 
And you hear it a lot, don't you? Well, I go through it myself, too, you know, and it's just endless, you know, and I just treat it like it's a disease that you just treat one symptom at a time, and I don't react to it, and I don't make a big deal out of it, and I just go prepared for the worst wherever I go and take all my stuff I need to treat my wounds in case they should occur, and I don't worry about it. I just go prepared and expect the worst and say it is what it is. That's kind of what... Anita was saying earlier, too, you just have to, um, for sleeping, you know, you just do what you can and make up your mind. You need to sleep. Just sleep through it, you know. It's, I've been saying it's, that for a long time. It's all about free will and self-determination because this program, it may, they make you feel so bad like you don't want to get up out of bed in the morning and the best thing you can do for yourself is pop out of bed, get go take a walk, do something brisk for your body, and it'll change your whole day. Exactly. But they make you feel so sick. You feel like laying around, and the more you lay around, the worse you feel. Right, right. I've heard so many people say they can't get out of bed, you know. My point is, my point is, is if, if people realize that they have to be self-determining and self-disciplined, and that's the way out of this, basically, <laughs> it's the only way out of this, and to continue to try to live your life as best as you can, don't you think? Exactly. You have to. It's, you have to understand that everybody has some kind of burden. I mean, some people have had worse burdens than I've oh, got. Some people on the call have had worse burdens than I've had. But I think I about people. I have people at my tennis club that I think have been targeted or still are being targeted that have it, in a way, a lot worse than we do because they don't know what's going on. Could be, yeah. I think that could be true. I'm thinking, though, about people like, People who were in that Ebola crisis, that was horrible. I mean, they were losing whole families at one time. Everybody was scared to, um, you know, associate with anyone else. That was a hard time over there. And I really think that. Are you talking about in Africa? Africa, yes. Those villages, whole places were decimated, you know. When Um, did they have the Ebola virus outbreak recently? Yeah, that big one. You know, Lonnie, I don't listen to the mainstream news. I don't trust anything they say. It's just layer upon layer of garbage. I, did they, can they prove it? Are there pictures? Do they look real or do they look like crisis actors? Yeah, I don't trust the guy. There's a guy, in, uh, he's a doctor in Fort Worth. He was the one who was brought over here by Franklin Graham's group. You know, he caught Ebola. He got it, and he just described exactly the whole thing that was he went through, and um, he he was healed because he he got back in this country, and they tried a, a new drug on him, and it worked. It was exper- experimental, you know, but it worked, but he talked about the whole thing, and um, uh, he, he, so far he's doing all right. But I still don't believe anything I see on TV anymore. My face on TV has been completely shattered. It's it just lies mixed in with the truth, Lonnie. I don't believe any of it anymore. I tell my mom this is social engineering, this is propaganda, I don't, and it's mind control. They have all these frequencies beaming through your TV to make you sleepy, make you fall asleep or whatever, you know, and train your brain. They have all these frequencies coming through the TV. I don't think there's anything good about it anymore. There aren't any shows worth watching either. It's all garbage, dark stuff. I don't watch TV. I don't watch any TV. I get on the radio, 
I, I get YouTube, you know, from time to time, and I, I go to different, different newscasts because they're all going to be a little bit different. I go yeah. to the one that's real conservative, I go to the one that's real liberal, and I try to put it together, you know, in my own mind and understand what's going on. But uh, I don't believe in either the liberal or the conservative viewpoints at all. I've been on the radio lately, too. I used to think NPR was a nice, normal station. You know, it's not. It's filled with all kinds of... I mean, I was flabbergasted. I was listening to it again on my way to go to play tennis the other day, and it was just one propaganda piece after the other, and I was, I was nauseous at the time I got there. I was like, I thought this was a good station. Yeah. There is a good one here. I think it's KPUC, and they're associated with the Lutheran uh, Church here, and they do speak the truth. They blow my mind. They play classical music all day. I love that. Oh, yeah. That's good. You know what I've enjoyed listening to lately is, you know, Brian says listen to pleasant music. Well, I found, because NPR starts at 5 in the morning, and I really don't want them to. If I can sleep to 6, I'd rather sleep to 6. But um, there's one, let's see, I think it's from Quebec, because they speak French, and I don't understand French. And they don't talk much. They just play music. And it's not always French music, but it's all night long. Well, on my KPUC, they play Mozart, Beethoven, and Tchaikovsky. Oh, that's I mean, good. sometimes I know it's just it brings tears to my eyes here in those three because they're just they were connected to the big Kahuna. They all, I think, all three of them said, "I can't take credit for my music. It doesn't come from me. It comes through me." Yeah, I mean, was God. Beethoven was writing when he was deaf at the end. He was still writing music. I don't know how he did that. He uh-huh. had to have. Yes, these guys were special, and they all came about. They all came about in the Renaissance, right when people were waking up, starting to wake up. J.S. Bach is the one who wrote on everything that he, everything he composed. He wrote something about that it was God, God doing it. And I was really interested because uh, in Japan he was very appealing to Japanese audiences over there. You just never know how God's going to work, you know. Hey, Lonnie, what is that uh, Bible quote about all things will be, will end up good for those who are belong to God or something? How does that go? Okay, it's um, Romans 8th chapter 28th verse says, all, all things work for good for those who are who love God and are called according to his purpose. So we have to, first of all, we have to be connected with God. And second of all, we need to recognize his purpose. You know, it's not always our purpose. And that, that's something I have to hold on to. Well, yeah, I'm finding out that I just leave it be and I turn things over to God, but I try to stay diligent. And then when really bad things happen, I don't react anymore because I sit back and I go, you know, God may have a different purpose for this, and I'm just going to let it play itself out, and I'll do the best I can to do it, and I'm not going to freak out because sometimes these things turn out for the better. They do. You never know. Like, and just, uh, seriously, though, I've had some things. My mom's condo, I was helping to... I think every single workman that went in there was targeted. They did the stupidest, stupidest things I've ever seen in my life. They'd lay a tile floor beautifully. And then they'd go to put the granite in and they'd break out the beer. And they'd start... They'd, we found six <laughs> big, huge bottles of beer. And every single piece of granite they laid crooked. 
and they did wrong. And yeah. I, I, workmen coming in going, I can't believe the same person did this board because they had no supervision. So then, I mean, it was just, I came in all three doors. None of them would close all of a sudden. I had to call a finished uh, contractor to come do that. Just one thing after the other went wrong. And I was like, you know, I'm not going to freak out about this. This is going to work out. And turns out it's working out just fine this way. Yeah. So I, was, I think of that phrase all the time. For those who love God, right? That's how it, all things are for the good, for those who love God. And are called according to his purpose. And it's important to, the first part, it says all things. I heard a sermon on that. He said, he said, don't think it's just one of those things every once in a while. It's everything. So I think, okay, if I stub my toe. Well, I like that. That's a message filled with hope. I like that. But you know who are called to his purpose. Now, that's another ubiquitous kind of uh, phrase because uh, for his purpose. We don't know God's purposes. They're a mystery to us. He's a mystery. So you just have to have faith and love in your heart, I guess, and go forward and assume that, you know, God will take care of it and you'll do the best you can meanwhile to fuddle through. But meanwhile, you're not going to get freaked out about anything because, It'll all turn out just fine. I mean, I don't know what else to say because I'm up against all kinds of time restraints, and I got pressures you wouldn't believe. I got things I got to get done before the end of September. So already mm-hmm. the 10th, 11th, it's the 11th. So I got 20 days to. Oh my God, I don't want to think about that. Then I got a condo to finish, and I got to do two tax returns, and I can't find the paperwork because my mother has shuffled 30 years worth of paperwork together. Oh. I know, I know. So I gotta go. She keeps doing it, so I'm hiding the paperwork from her, so she doesn't keep doing it. Yeah, and the checkbook because she keeps hot for losing them, and the keys because she keeps losing them. I gave her a set of keys to tie around her wrist, a little elastic band. <laughs> but it's you know, it's kind of sometimes it's like trying to take care of a three-year-old on meth. I, I mean, like a three-year-old bouncing off a wall is like, I'm not going to stop trying. I'm like, well, I'm glad you're still trying, Mom, but just don't fix me anything to eat, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's scary. It's a little scary, you know. Hey, you got to watch things, and it's a little, it's, it's getting to be more of a chore here lately, I think. You have to be the mom once in a while yourself. I guess, you know, I never was a very good, um, I was a good mom, but I was, too liberal because I didn't want to make a mistake and mess my kid up like I was traumatized. I didn't want to traumatize my kid. So I was probably too liberal. And looking back, I'm thinking, oh, what a dumbass. You have to have this a lot of discipline. It gives your kid confidence. And I, I think I robbed her from confidence by not being more disciplined. Oh, well. I wish I would have had a second kid. I could have fixed that. <laughs> I know. That's the way uh, they say. Everybody, I was the first one in and Mother always said, well, we learned on you. So. <laughs> That's right. You learn on the first one, and by the second one, you get it down. Right, right. But at least I erred on the side of um, being, and my kid turned out perfect, other than she's kind of a little Nazi. She's kind of a little conservative know-it-all. I don't know. We're, she's not of my seed, I don't think, because she's nothing like me. No, I shouldn't say that. I'm kidding. She's like me a lot. She's a good kid, a really good kid. I'm very you proud be, of Yeah. You might find that you're so much alike. That's what makes it seem like you're opposite sometimes. I don't know yeah. why that happens that way. But, uh, it does. I think you might be right about that, actually, now that you mention it. 
We have a whole bunch of people muted here. I wish I could unmute them, but East Maryland muted herself. There's you in New York. Hi, New York. Are you there? And then we've got one, two unknowns. And East Maryland, Anita muted herself. Or no, she was snoring, so I muted her. And then California is muted. They haven't asked to be unmuted all night. And there's another New York that hasn't asked to be unmuted, or I unmuted them earlier and they muted themselves back. I don't know, or maybe they fell off. And East and Central Washington, but East and Central Washington, every time I unmute you, there's a horrific amount of noise on the background. I'd be glad to unmute you if you could mute your mic until which time you're going to speak. Anyway, so there's um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten of us. Wow. And yeah, there's only two of us talking. I know. Welcome, people. Come on and talk to us. I don't like to dominate it like this. I think a lot of people just like to come on and listen and fall asleep to the uh, sound of voice. Okay, we have East and Central Washington. Now, East and Central Washington, if you've got a bunch of noise on your line, I'm going to ask you to mute your line until you speak. So I'm going to unmute you. Let's see. There we go. Well, it does that. How do I mute it? I tried hitting, like, star six earlier. Oh, I didn't see you hit. Maybe you did hit star six and mute yourself. But it says star six doesn't work, so I guessed it's star eight, right? No, no, star six does work. Um, But if that doesn't work, mute mute your mic. You've got a mute button on. There you go. That's how you do it. You can hit that mute button and then just unmute yourself when you want to talk so you don't have to hear the squealing in the background. I don't know. Is your reverb on your... um, Speaker, are you next? Is your phone next to a speaker? Because if you set your phone near a speaker, it'll make that noise. My phone is like I, I I even talked to the people at the motel that's across the way. Their phone line is already broke, um, so I, I guess this one is in the process of breaking. Like you can't call the motel and talk to someone in their room, like at the one across the street, and the same things happening to this one apparently. Uh, it's just uh, an old phone line at a, you know, not the best motel ever. So that's all that is. Um, oh, well, it picks up every time someone starts to talk. It um, starts squealing. Oh, it just does it intermittently, however, but, you know, maybe it's sort of like that sometimes. I don't know. It's it's just an old phone line. It's kind of bugged. Yeah, Chris, did you get my text? I did get a text, yeah. Um, I, I uh, was talking to some lady trying to call me earlier, too. Where's my phone? Um, and the two people that are in the process of this, and you can get their number from Derek. So that way, if I hand it out, I'm not responsible. I just don't want to get in trouble with anybody. Let him get in trouble. I I don't think I can get any numbers from Derek, actually. Um, Derek doesn't just, like, hand out people's phone numbers. Derek's always unavailable anyhow. He's always going to a meeting or something, he says. Let's see, um, messages. Well, he has been busy lately. He's been going all over the place helping people 
testified with their council members, council, city council members. So anyway, yeah, he's been doing that a lot lately, and it involves getting in a car and driving hours and hours and spending hours and hours there and driving hours and hours back. So he's been busier than one on paper hanger. At least the last couple of weeks, I think. And he's been going on stuff for a while. With court cases, is that what you said? Yeah. Like, you know, for being targeted? Yeah. And how's that going? You know, I... Yeah, what did I just tell you earlier? I don't talk about their private stuff on the line. You can talk to them later. You can get in touch with Dwight through his Facebook page. Yeah, it's just a Dwight, Dwight, uh, Dwight what? I mean, like... And his last name is written down in your text, and if you say it out loud, I'm going to cut uh, you off forever. Okay. Um, you have to be discreet, so just chill and take okay. that information and run with it. You can get so him on Facebook. you got to find him on Facebook and... Yeah, you just type in that name and he'll pop up, big, huge thing, and ask to be his friend, and he'll probably friend you. Yeah. He's and he, huh? he got implants removed, right? Oh, that was the other guy. I don't know about uh, Dwight having implants removed, but the other guy. Uh, and don't say his name over the phone because I don't really want it to spread all place. They, they're kind of quiet about it. Is also working on one, but uh, I don't think either one of them has a lawyer. I think they both. I see the doctor guy on here. Are you just going to march in on the conversation and run right over my words? Is that your style here? Okay, thanks. I was just going to say they kind of want to be quiet about it while they're in the process of formulating their plan, because the minute they tell a few people in the group, it's going to be blah, blah, blah all over the place, and that's not going to help their case any. So it's a complicated, delicate thing that's being worked out with the help of this health care program, which you're invited to call and get the information from the doctor herself, who usually answers her own phone. Okay, now you can talk. Uh, from Virginia. I, I'm I'm just trying to read your text. Some guy getting ready for suit. Um, so some guy named Richard. Oh, I asked. All right, that's it. I asked you not uh, to say the name over the thing. You're gone for good. Goodbye. You're too friggin' lame to remember what I told you two seconds ago. Or you're doing it deliberately because you're a perp. Either way, you're gone. You can't take directions. You're gone. All right, if nobody's going to talk, then I'm ending the call because I'm irritated at the moment unless somebody has something to say. Are you there, Lonnie? Okay, well, good night, everybody. I'm still here. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. (laughs) 
Chumba. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.